Welcome to the GCW Plant Podcast, episode 35. Once again with this, Mr. John J. Wolf. How are you doing today? We're actually recording during the day and not nighttime. How are you doing today, John? Oh, I don't know. I really do like the later evening recordings. I feel like I loosen up a little more, but yeah, we'll see how the vampire is doing during the daytime today. How you doing, man? Doing good. I got to sleep in, got plenty of sleep, and I am energized and ready for GCW Aura. Uh, before we go into that, uh, I know you have a talking point, a question you wanted to ask, and uh, so we can talk about that if you want to bring that up first. Yeah, so this is something I wanted to kind of discuss. I was watching this show, and this, uh, this Aura show was just fantastic, and it made me think, how many GCW wrestlers on this card may be picked up by AEW or WWE in the next three years? And so I wanted to kind of talk about that. And I wanted to kind of limit it again to just this Aura show because I believe the Aura show had a fantastic uh, list of performers on it. And I thought it would be kind of cool to talk about. So for me, I wanted to state the obvious Leon Slater. Now that I know someone like Nick Wayne can be picked up at that young of an age, and being able to see the level of talent and then seeing a high level of talent in Slater, I'm not going to compare to Nick Wayne only because it's not fair to do that, especially since they're two 17 year olds. They're both incredibly talented. And I see where Leon Slater could be picked up just as quickly as Nick Wayne, if he were an American, especially. So maybe we'll see something down the road there. That's my first one. Do you want to maybe take a crack at one, or do you want to talk uh, about Leon a little more? Leon, I kind of wanted to say something on Leon, like what the whole NXT uh, UK, or was it, were they changing to Europe now? NXT Europe could be the mm -hmm. rebrand. I could see him kind of fitting in there pretty good because of his young age. Ooh, and yeah. I think, obviously, but just off of the couple matches we've seen from Leon, Nick Wayne is way more polished, I believe. Uh in the ring with his looks, his moves, his smoothness, smoothness and everything, where I think Leon has a little bit more of a exciting moveset, more high-flying mm -hmm. moveset. That's kind of what's gotten him over and everything. Visibility. Yes, yeah. definitely. So I could definitely see Leon maybe starting off at NXT Europe to kind of start off his career and kind of be a good way to ease him into the crowd because like it worked out pretty good for like Pete Dunne, Walter, and some of these yes. other people that we never knew of until NXT UK happened. And then we saw how fun and entertaining those wrestlers were. Now they're on the the main rosters and out here in the States. So I could see kind of Leon for the first couple of years, maybe just kind of getting his feet wet and growing underneath the NXT uh, training and getting exposure with the NXT Europe and stuff like that with the WWE name behind it. I think that could be a, might be the most beneficial move for him without having to move to the States. And good money. That's I'm sure yeah. that NXT will pay fantastic money and um, they already have insurance over there. So England will take care yeah, of the right? insurance. <laughs> if these guys get injured. There's going to be something there for them, somewhat of a cushion. Uh, you want to pick one? Yeah, I was going to pick yeah. a tag team that uh, that I don't think that you... Uh, I think you said you didn't really uh, think about it, but the main event. I really like what the main event kind of does uh, with mm. their whole gimmick, with the... With the lion or whatever he's calling himself. And then with, oh yeah, lion, obviously. Um, the lion, the hula hoop, the circus act. I think they kind of have uh, a pretty. The main event. Yeah. yeah. I think they kind of got like a cool gimmick where that could get over as maybe start off as, well, I mean, in tag team wrestling, 
it, it'd be a different gimmick. We don't have a lot of uh, kind of comedy tag teams going around right now. We got like the right. Yeah, the more serious type, the brothers and all that stuff. So I think this would add a different element to the tag division for I and I I, I would say AEW because I think I've seen them wrestle for like AEW Dark once or twice a couple times. So I think their kind of gimmick and just based off of their size and stuff, they would fit in more with AEW than WWE in my mm-hmm. my opinion. Yeah, the word I'm looking for here, I think, is family friendly. That too, yeah. And this event is very family friendly um, when they choose to be. The lion character, the hoop, the whole thing. Even um, the gentleman who comes out with him, I the name escape uh, Midas. He has a fantastic look to him. And again, there this team doesn't have a guy who is you know. Every now and then, you have a weak one on a team of two, and. With this one, each man brings something to the table different, and it works really well for them. And I applaud them on having such a unique character. I really love it. I And not in a million years would I come up with a character set like that between the two of them, and it works so well. It's so unique. Yeah, and it's pretty over already on the independent scene, especially as we'll see in this one yeah. in Providence at the uh, music arena. They kind of wrestle a lot out there, so um, just kind of seeing the the little fan base that they kind of created just in that little area is pretty impressive and nice to see. Hmm. All right, my next one, and I think we can both agree here. Ninja Mac. I think Ninja Mac is somebody who would fit very well in the AEW arena. I believe for his size, he would fit better in AEW. He would be, he would fit in more to where his character would look. What my concern is that in the WWE, the average size for a wrestler, five ten, five eleven for a male, and when you have Ninja Mac come in there, he's much much smaller. And also, those men are much more muscular. Their their arms are going to be of larger length and whatnot. And for Ninja Mac, that may or may not be a problem. But for larger men sometimes, and you see this with smaller wrestlers, it's hard to sometimes hook them in because it's very easy for these guys to get their arms out. And it's really, anyway, um, it's like trying to pin a guy with very little shoulders. It's just, it's hard to do. Um, I think his look is fantastic. It's going over well in Japan. He's carried titles. WWE, yeah, might be a little too much. I believe his character fits there. I hate to say this. Four more to six more inches on that guy. Holy mackerel. Two more inches, four more inches on that guy. I would put him in the category of Rey Mysterio. I may be wrong, and those two may be a very similar height. If that's the case, they may have something with Ninja Mac. And but I know at AEW, if they... If, oh, I'm sorry. No, go, go. Right at, if they handle him right at AEW, they have something fantastic there that'll be a fan favorite. And again, family-friendly. Yeah, I think what they... They at WWE and NXT, I kind of like this Axiom character. They kind of make him look kind of like a Ninja Mac a little bit, but I think Ninja yes. Mac would be way more incredible in the ring with stuff he could do. So um, I would like to see like a Ninja Mac versus Ricochet match. That'd be a pretty fun one oh to my. watch those two just flipping around the ring everywhere. I think that would be a uh, a new version of the Will Ospreay versus Ricochet match, except Ninja Mac. I think that would be good, but I I agree with you. That's where uh, some of my picks here for this uh, AEW, WWE. Um, I kind of tended towards some of the bigger athletes kind of or competitors wrestlers whatever um going to wwe as you said just mm-hmm. kind of based off of uh they have a bigger kind of style of uh wrestling a bigger build of wrestlers where AEW kind of does have a little bit shorter roster and stuff like that um 
that's why I, I kind of agree Ninja Mac would be good on AEW, but I could also see him, like I said, NXT's trying yes. like a little Ninja Mac character in Axiom. I think he would kind of fit into with like WWE NXT for sure. Uh, my next one was kind of going off of what you were saying, uh, uh, what we were just talking about, the size and where they would go is Sawyer Wreck. I think Sawyer Wreck oh, yes. would be one that would fit in better with AEW. Um, once she, I, I think the question was like three, in two to three years, I think with two to three years of actual training, like way more in ring, not the deathmatch kind of style stuff, but the more traditional wrestling. Um, uh, techniques and moves and stuff like that. I think she would have a very unique, she would still be able to keep her unique look of towering over all the other female wrestlers and maybe even some of the male wrestlers because of her height. I think she would fit in better with AEW than she would with WWE just because with WWE, like we said, like I was saying, they have a little bit taller competitors, a little bit more bigger. So I think if she kind of went with WWE, she would just be like a, they would take the uniqueness away from her while if she went oh, to yeah. AEW, she get to keep that uniqueness and keep the height and stuff like that. So, and especially with two to three years of training, I think she could be very impressive in an AEW ring. I hate to disagree, and I'm not going to disagree. Honestly, <laughs> I'm just messing with it. Um, yeah, I think if she goes mainstream, she will lose the deathmatch aspect, which is part of her forte. Yeah. Um, so with AEW, they will let her bleed. With WWE, they won't. Yep. And one of the things that really put over Sawyer Wreck with the fans was that deathmatch aspect. She was tough as nails. She was so different and unique to look at. That is a unique package, and she, she has both of those, and she needs to go to a company that will allow her to do both of those if they need her to or if she wants to. And I think AEW would fit excellent for her in that category i think she may be a touch too hardcore for wwe or at least currently and i know she could dial it back i've seen her wrestle wrestle she's fantastic i'm with you she does need some time to continue um training and doing her thing you're right you can see the green aspect i don't know if you called it green but you can see that she's newer and she has absolutely it's almost a jade where she has all of these things in place and all she has to do is keep playing with those Legos over and over, and that right combination is just going to work. And she has all the Legos. Not not all performers have that. She's got something there, and I'm really, really curious to see how how she shakes down the next two, three, for sure. All right. Here's your uh, your nemesis, Charles Mason. Although we disagree on, uh, you know, the moves he makes in GCW. I think we do agree that Charles Mason may very well have a place in AEW. For me, I won't speak out on you because I can't remember. I do believe he has enough of a menacing look, and I think he's good enough on the mic. I could see him in WWE antagonize also. I'm not 100% sure on his height, but I don't think that'll stop him from being exactly what he is, and that's just an absolute hellraiser on that mic. He's fantastic with the fans. He knows how to piss them off and he's sound enough in the ring and he's willing to do enough things in the ring where i see he's capable of carrying a match so I, that's where i put him i, I right there with you i hate him because the, the dastardly stuff that he does during these matches he's the heel that we've always <laughs> we ask for but then it's always be careful what you wish for but i a thousand percent right. agree i think even right now he is ready to go to 
AEW or WWE. I think if he went to WWE, he would kind of have to be more of a kind of sadistic version of Bobby Heenan, Bobby Heenan of getting uh kind of putting like a killer little stable together of like actual like killers and stuff like that. Cause like, I guess I got to see his gimmick right now kind of being like what Dexter Loomis is doing, but I hate what they're doing with that whole stuff. And it's lasted too long, but I think if Charles Mason would make it look way better and more interesting and mm. still keep that heel heat. Cause they just said he shows up and it's just, everybody just boos the shit out of him. And um, I think I kind of view him similarly to MJF as well. We don't, we don't get to see too much of the in-ring stuff of what he can do, but I think that's, kind of what he's doing on purpose because of the heel character and stuff like that. I think we've talked mm -hmm. about that before of the move sets kind of affecting uh, your balance of being a heel or a face and kind of a, makes changes how the fans react to him based off the move set. So I think Charles Mason could actually be very good as a heel wrestler in uh, AEW too. Cause like, I think we see more of his wrestling in another promotion in hog wrestling. I know he was doing pretty good things with, uh, the hog wrestling out there in New York. And that's where I really got to see his in-ring stuff and um, see more of what he's able to do in-ring with moves instead of just always choking people and doing like the the cheating moves and stuff like that. I think I got to, for my opinion, I got to see a different version of Charles Mason in-ring wrestling out there than he, I, we usually see in GCW or JCW. So I think Charles Mason could definitely be right now heading to one of these companies and fit right in just fine. Uh, my next one is a uh, kind of an obvious one too. Other than uh, we have Nick Wayne, who's already signed, but I will pick his opponents in Alec Price. I think he's mm, yes. Every time we, I think this year he's grown tremendously as well, especially over these last few months. And obviously, I think that's why they keep on rewarding him of letting him travel with kind of the normal roster to all these uh, different cities, other than just on the East Coast. So. I definitely think Alec Price has a future in rest in AEW or WWE, either one. I think his kind of character now would fit in with WWE as being this the simple your garbage heel heat. But I obviously that could always grow. Just like how I think his physical size is gonna grow. He's gonna keep on maturing in the ring and keep on adding, uh, improving his moveset and stuff like that in his character. So I think the sky's the limit up there with Alec Price. I think he's just kind of like Jordan Oliver like did with this year. I think they both just have something different and they've elevated their game to another level this year where they might be going to one of these companies <laughs> sooner than later. Yeah, Alec Price is one where I'm going to kind of echo what I said last time and echo a lot of what you just said right here. I really do think his body will fill in and he will be a much more viable product to the WWE. He's built at six foot one and that's a great build height for a wrestler in the WWE. I think that's much larger than Gargano. Um, I, I'm just messing. Nah, it, is. it is. <laughs> well, you know what I mean? There are plenty of others. I just wanted to kind of throw it out there because Gargano was on a, I was talking, I was listening to a podcast talking about him. You wouldn't know who. <laughs> uh, Alec has a fantastic understanding of what it is to be a heel. He knows how to run his mouth, when to run his mouth. He um, he puts a lot of emphasis in his words, you know, like, fuck you. So, <laughs> it's the East Coast thing. He has that East Coast attitude. He embraces it very well. Only an East Coaster could have this kind of attitude and pull it off authentically. So, um, yeah, I'm right there with you. He was one of the first names I wrote down. I think anybody who's listened before knows I'm a huge Alec Price fan. So without basically echoing everything else you said, 
yeah, he's he's a fantastic pick on on my end also. And I think he could also be a face like over in one of these companies just based off of the reaction he got um during this uh, during this show we will talk about it but like just oh, the yeah. love that he got from yes. this crowd and he's always still a heel he never really changes but the crowd still loves him so i think he kind of has the crossover where he could be heel or face and still be able to uh move some needles on either way they decide to use him in whatever company he does go to because as a heel we we always talk about his heel work and how awesome it is but there's this show seeing the, the as much love as he got from the providence crowd was a uh, very nice to see kind of su- not too surprising but i i knew they would react to him favorably but i didn't expect the reaction that he got and we'll talk about like what made it a little different and kind of the reaction he did get later because i thought that was very cool seeing uh the stuff that the love that the providence crowd gave him so talking about switching back and forth from face to heel I'm going to mention one person that I believe is well on their way to the, to the AEW arena and they've tipped their, uh, they put their toe in the water quite a few times. Tony Deppen, Tony Deppen's one that I believe he has a fantastic understanding of what it is to be heel. He's a family man and he's a hard worker. He's fundamentally very sound in the ring. Again, he's the gatekeeper. You have to kind of go through him if you want to come into GCW because he's the one that is going to know if you're worth this shit or not. And I respect that. So for me, I wanted to make sure we mention him. And uh, what's your thoughts on Devin? I love it. I think he, as you said, whatever he goes, I think he could be the gatekeeper. I think he should come off. like I think he would fit perfectly in with the new Ring of Honor that they're building. And I know that's kind of how they've used him a couple times already in these Ring of Honor shows. Uh, teaming up with like Blake Christian and um, Alex Zane. I thought that was that was awesome seeing that happen. Because they're all obviously GCW guys. But I think Tony Deppin should kind of somehow weasel his way into like the Ring of Honor television title. Kind of mm-hmm. carry that around for let's say a month or two. But like every single time he has to like cheat to win, cheat to win kind of stuff. But at least he would have some value behind his name. And then once he loses a belt, I think, yeah, being the opening match or being the gatekeeper of some of these new talent that they bring in. Um, kind of like like literally fresh talent or re rebranded talent and coming back and having their first couple matches with Tony Depp. And I think that would be a long way because Tony will make whoever look good. Like he has the, the talent to make anybody look good. And um, I think you could still do the gatekeeper mode for ring of honor in the new version of the ring of honor, that AEW is going to produce. So hopefully we will see a lot more of a uh, Tony Depp on the new ring of honor as well. Uh, my next one was Shane Mercer. And I just, I, I just think it's a travesty. He hasn't been picked up by anybody yet. Uh, His luck is incredible. His strength, his movesets, unique. And I just think he could do a lot of cool stuff in either company because of how unique his moveset is and how strong. Um, He could have a great match against a big guy. He could make a great match against a small guy. And it's all just very entertaining. I'm just still stunned that he has not been picked up by any other company at the moment. I honestly think it's only a matter of time with him. He's cut. He's in great shape. He um, he always delivers in that category. I think if someone needs to be thrown around, or if someone needs to be put into a uh, into put into a ring with, say, Brian Cage, this ah. would be a guy that would. I mean, we shouldn't always do that. That's us doing our mark booking, or we're just taking two guys that are similar. 
but he puts me in that category primarily. He puts he's in that category primarily. So I would I would say that he has a future, and that's why I wanted to make sure. Um, wow, I lost myself for a second. <laughs> no, I I agree. Like I think yeah, he. I'm- he has great matches. Like like I, Brian Cage was a perfect example. Like you get two big guys and Brian Cage, as we've seen lately now with AEW, how they're finally using him. I I just don't know why they didn't use him for the longest time. Like I don't understand some of the hate that he gets because I think he is super good in the ring. And then like lately everyone's like, Oh, he's really good. I'm like he's been like that for mm-hmm. I've seen him like that for two, three years locally and putting on great matches against a hammerstone. Or put it on a great match against like an R area. It's Vandergriff, who's like a kind of like a high flyer, and he adapts his move set and makes either the small people look good, the big guys look good. They he does great matches, don't matter the size. And I think that's what we've seen with Shane Mercer as well. Like him and Marco Stunt could be incredible. Uh, him with another bigger competitor in KTB, incredible match that way. So I could I think that was a very good comparison of Brian Cage and Shane Mercer by you because I that's who I thought of as well. Yeah, when that when the train was still on the track, I was going somewhere there. Right? <laughs> okay, so yeah, the, the, it's starting to get a little darker while we're recording here. I'm starting to feel. Oh, I feel the heel wolf coming out. I hear the woo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the sun's the sun. <laughs> yeah, the sun's going away. We'll see what happens. All right, so I will mention Nick Wayne shortly, only because he already has a developmental contract coming up with AEW. I also want to mention him because I believe he's also going to be WWE ready in the next five years. I believe that his body just needs to mature a little more and he needs to go out there and just bang the shit out of those weights when his body says it's time to start doing it. 21, 22 years old. I mean, we remember Randy Orton, skinny little rail when he came in and then as he gets older and matures and continues to take care of himself and do his exercises and weights and, say his prayers and eat his vitamins. (laughs) He does does all right. So I just wanted to make sure I mentioned him real quick before I go on to my real pick. Maki Ito, I think, is someone that is TV ready with her looks. And she has enough of a gimmick where it's good to see every now and then. It's almost an Orange Cassidy gimmick. Once you've seen it a couple times, you've seen it. So you need to space out what she does. Uh, unless, of course, she's carrying a belt. And I believe she has enough attitude and can show enough attitude that fans do get behind her. I believe she could carry a belt somewhere. She seems very sound in the ring, which is typical of a Japanese wrestler. And we wouldn't expect anything less from a Japanese wrestler. So she's she's one of my picks. I 1,000% agree because the first time I did see her was on AEW. And I remember hearing, I remember hearing about her before the whole debut happened or when she showed up for AEW because uh, on Twitter obviously there was a lot of clips and uh, two minute mu- the videos that uh, all these cool music video uh, makers and creators uh, have created and yeah I was impressed with those clips and seeing her actually wrestle for AEW I was like oh she could have she has like good ca- crowd control I think where she could control like the match and the moves that she does and the certain timings and looks I think she has like perfect like timing like production value timing for the fans and stuff like that her the smile that she has when she does the headbutt and the or the dead look that she has sometimes when she gets kicked i think her facial reactions tell a great story 
I think the language barrier kind of hurts her, but I think everything else about her is will overcome any language barrier because, I mean, we've seen her talk now in GCW quite a bit. And I think just give her these short little moments, kind of like how Asuka does, like they get give her a quick little moment and then let her go off in Japanese. And it's kind of fun. It's kind of figuring out what she's saying. But then I don't know if you saw like how her and EO Sky a couple weeks ago had a whole promo in Japanese yeah. Yeah. and then like seeing the translation about it was like awesome and cool so I would like to see them kind of do that kind of stuff with Maki Ito and I think she would fit wonderfully in AEW if she kind of stayed the course because I, I just think the look her moveset her charisma her charisma was uh, bar none I think Off on the, the charts yeah bar none from women's wrestling I think um I just love everything she does, and I every time I see get to see her in GCW, I kind of get excited because like she's a, to me a entertaining, and I I just like like she kind of has like the comedy matches which I enjoy because there's places for it, and I think she does very good job in her matches with the comedy and with the facial reactions and charisma. I a thousand percent agree with you, Amaki Ito. And my my last big one, of course, is Jordan Oliver. I just think he's ready. Like I I when I see Ninja Mac. Well, I think he's a little different. I'm going to maybe compare Let's compare it to Dante Leon. I was kind of shocked Dante Leon's over in Noah and getting belts and stuff like that. I kind of think a little bit with the Ninja Mac, it's kind of the in-ring stuff is more spotty, which is fine. I love seeing it and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. um, Ninja Mac is obviously just on a little different level with the spotness and how the creativity and the aerial attacks and stuff like that. I think Dante Leon, when I was seeing him, I think he had like a one-on-one match with Joey Janela. And I think that was like one of the first times I saw him wrestle one-on-one. And I was like, okay, if he could put on a couple more matches like this, he's going to be ready to kind of be not in the scramble matches. Kind of like Ninja Mac is like, let's see how what he does on a one-on-one 15-minute match where he's the focal point. He can't just do the three or four spots that he's known for. He has to tell a story in the ring. And I think he did a very uh, improved a lot with the Joey Janela match. But I just think that someone that is ready is Jordan. Like Jordan's right there putting on these kind of complete one-on-one matches for 15, almost 20 minutes. And I just think overall as a wrestler, he's was more ready to go over than Dante, but I understand why Dante got put over because his he kind of has that look him and no him and Ninja Mac have incredible chemistry that has transferred over into Noah which is kind of cool seeing but when I saw saw like Dante Leon I'm like yeah why isn't a wrestler like Jordan over there doing some stuff because I think he's more complete and well-rounded and like an overall just he's ready I I don't think he's read like he's more ready than a Dante Leon but I think the work that Jordan's done with improving his moveset his physical look has uh, the transformation over this year has been incredible and that's what I kind of was was always saying with Jordan I think he just he needs to tone up he needs to get bigger he needs to bulk up and he's done that and he, he, I think he's ready. Like, just move set and stuff. I think promo time, and we kind of see this, and uh, we'll talk about it when it, that match comes up because it made me happy because it's something I asked for on our last podcast. But I just think if he gets a little bit more promo time to improve the promos, I think his in-ring stuff is there. I think he's improved enough where give him, as this whole conversation is maybe two to three years, maybe even like one to two years for him, I could see him being TV ready. So one of the things that I think is stifling him a touch because I can tell still with his limbs is that the smaller rings are stopping him from being a much more fluid runner wrestler and 
if he has that possibility to actually have that full stride. I think his size and those limbs would uh, would look a lot, you know, just everything would look a hell of a lot more fluid. And that's what I think is really missing because this match or this match that's coming up on here and several others, you can tell that um, he's just inhibited. Yeah. And um, with stuff like that, uh, that can change at any time. For me, I can see him starting in AEW, and then they'd have to figure out what to do with him from there. The issue with WWE would be I've never seen him play a character. And with WWE, it's very easy to get slid into being a character. So I don't know about his acting ability. That's one of the things I think about, and that's one of the things that's worth mentioning. I think that his promo abilities are something that he's continuing to work on, and I think he's in a good spot, and he's going to get better at it. Um, he's absolutely fantastic in the ring and he's giving the people what they want. I believe the men like him. I believe the ladies like him and he has, um, a charisma that's building and a popularity that's building. His muscles are building. His, um, wrestling abilities have been building. His confidence has been building too a lot. You can see the confidence. Yeah. Confidence this year is what I've seen from him is being confident of what he's doing in the ring and. I, that's where I've seen him kind of shine is on that side too. And yeah, I think he's one of those ones that it's only a matter of time and he'll be, he'll be up there eventually too. I think he would be a better finish cutting his teeth. Yeah. And see, that's where I don't, I don't want to jump Like that's what I was going to say. I don't, I'm not jumping him to AW WWE. I think he would kind of fit in and excel in an impact wrestling right now. I think it, he would be a perfect fit for impact wrestling as they have a lot of older talent. They got a lot of younger talent. And I think mm-hmm. they could build him up to be something in impact to elevate him to get ready for an AEW and uh, uh, WWE. And I think I kind of like what they're doing with Speedball. Speedball is obviously another one we could say, but we kind of didn't say just because of like Nick Wayne. He's already kind of signed by one of these bigger companies and stuff like that. But I kind of like what they're doing with Speedball with uh letting him go out there and show what he's been doing on the independent scenes and why we why we picked him up in impact this is why we picked him up because this is the kind of talent he is and i love how they're showing that off and i think that's what they could do with jordan is let him kind of show off his strengths while building and um getting better in his weaknesses with the impact wrestling because i i don't know i just think he would fit better in impact right now than he would at AEW and wwe but then who says two three years later he goes into mm-hmm. AEW and wwe so i think that would be a better fit for him at the moment as well so same thing with bailey i think that he should go into aew I think that's where he would shine the best. I think he would be stifled a little bit in WWE where they would tell him to slow it down. I think that's something that Bailey wouldn't want necessarily. I see that he's the kind of guy who likes to have a snappy kind of offense. The kicks have to have that slap, you know, things like that. They have to have impact. And for his size, I think it's fantastic that he does things like that. That's the Gresham style where, you know, every move has a snap to it, which makes it look even better when it's done. Yeah, Bailey for me, three years from now, I'm not surprised if he's in AEW doing God only knows what. But I could see him being a heel and they switch him because just he works well both ways, but that's a face. He can do both things, but that's a face. I don't know where I'd stick him in the division. Like, I don't know where I'd stick him in WWE or I'm sorry, I I don't know where I'd stick him in AEW or what title to put near him. 
but I'm going to go ahead and take it out again because you kind of mentioned it before. He's a Ring of Honor guy. I was just about to say, I think Speedball would yeah. be a perfect fit for the Ring of Honor. That's exactly where I was going with that. I was like, I think he would be a really good fit, especially if they actually, I wish they would go back to when these television titles actually meant you were on television every single show and defending it. That was the whole point of it is for like the mid-card wrestlers to cut their teeth and get more popular week in, week out, get them segments on TV, but that helps build them. But now the television champion, you don't see him on TV every week. So I don't understand mm-hmm. the whole point of calling them TV champion. Like, I love the old WCW television champion being defended on every single time they were on TV. So I think putting like the Ring of Honor television title on Bailey would be incredible. And that would be kind of like one of those, like an impact, the X Division kind of like, look at this shit that we're doing right here in the television scene right now in our television title. And that would be kind of like, be the show stealer of like, let's say these main events and stuff like that, just because of the style and pacing of their matches would be a little different. I compare the ring of honor television title. If they want to go that route could be treated as the X division title and impact, which I think is perfect for speedball too, which was important or which was perfect for him. <laughs> so you had your last one there. I was going to mention it just because we've already talked about him a little John Gresham. I understand the situation. He left. However, I also know Truly, in wrestling, never say never. I watched Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart hug in the ring. You know, mm-hmm. I've seen Hogan testify in federal court against Vince McMahon and then turn around a couple years later and show up in the main event, WrestleMania. We've These seen, things do yeah. kind of happen. Eric Bischoff <laughs> getting hired by... <laughs> that was the one that's like, what? <laughs> you got Paul, Paul Heyman. Yeah, you, hi- you hired your he- com- competitors. Initially, he didn't always carry a good name with some people, so I was really surprised that the WWE brought in and kept him. And uh, I really do appreciate that they do because I study manager stuff, and he is such an awesome manager. I put a lot of his videos on replay, and I try to take notes on him. He's one of the ones I really look up to, honestly. But uh, same same thing with the Gresham, though. Never say never. It's always possible. I'd throw him in Ring of Honor, and I definitely would have put him in, in uh, Speedball back-to-back again in the main event somewhere. I don't think we'd have a complaint. And uh, my, my one complaint is we still have never seen Jordan Grace come over this year, or at all, I believe, recently. She's wrestled once and in I'd Atlanta. Like to see her come over. I'd like to see her come over. Yeah. I've always, I think she wrestled in Atlanta against Ali Catch, if I'm not mistaken. But that was the only time we've seen her, yeah. So I think that's that's everything I had. I just figured that would be kind of something fun to talk about, look into the future, appreciate what we have right now. I think that was a good preview of this show, kind of like we kind of hit some points yeah. of why we think that based off of this show. So, uh, yeah, I, that was fun. That's, uh, that was, I think, a perfect segue to head right into GCW's aura from the FET Music Arena in Providence, Rhode Island. And... Um, I love the venue. I I loved when they yeah. were there for, I forgot the name of the show, but as we were saying, like I just remember matches in certain arenas and the the Will Ospreay versus Nick Wayne and JT Dunn versus Joey Janela, their last card that they had at the Fed Arena. I loved that card. I loved the look of it. I loved the crowd. I loved everything about it. It was awesome. And I, like once they announced that they were coming back and then kind of this card that they stacked around, um, this show I thought was perfect, and I was looking, I was looking forward to everything about the show because I I loved it. Like it's kind of like like I now see this going to be this arena they might go to a little bit more often. I think because 
Look at the crowd that they got. The crowd was, I, I know it's in your notes. I don't want to steal, but like, it's so, it's so crazily packed and they're just so energetic. There's no seats there. They're all standing. So I think that just kind of adds the excitement of they're always on their feet. They're ready to move. They're ready to chant. They're, they're not sitting on their hands. They don't have anything to kind of sit and calm down. So their energy, I think brought, brings a lot to this venue. And I was very much looking forward to this card. And you're right. It was a packed venue. Smaller ring, which is fine. I'm going to talk about the fans. They were fucking excited. I love them. Stupid enthusiastic. Uh, they appreciated everything tonight, and it showed. And I wanted to make sure I mentioned that because crowds make all the difference. And here we are in a situation where the minute it turned on and I saw the fans and how excited they were, it does kick up the show a notch, and it makes it feel more exciting even on my end. These guys are losing their shit live. This is exciting. That's how I think of it. And and this kind of I know it's like we I kind of quickly wanted to talk about this because I was thinking about this while watching the show. They look like they. I hate to say this. I hope it does not happen. And I could be wrong. Like maybe there is more capacity, but they're like outgrown this arena, like this or this place, because it was packed so full and i think they said that was like one of their bigger audiences they had at fet just for any wrestling um yeah. event there and i just think like i know out here in vegas they outgrew whatever i forgot the place was called like the space or something like that their first couple shows out here where in vegas was that yeah. old downtown and then this time they went to the silver nugget or golden nugget one of the nuggets yeah, and even that nugget. place was way bigger and for their first show it was full. Like they're starting to outgrow some of these venues, which is very awesome seeing because it just shows that they're the fan base is growing and growing. And I love seeing it, but I also don't want them to move. I think this is one of these places. Like, and no matter if they kind of like the UCC, they had like the one show before I went there with uh, Dark Sheik versus Nick Gage uh, for the first No Signal in the Hills, and like it was so packed, you saw people like standing on shit that they shouldn't be standing on. Where like their next show, they're like, hey, we can't sell as many tickets. We got to kind of. Uh, kind of keep the ticket sales down here because we kind of were at capacity last time, which I think is cool, but it kind of shuts out the fans that want to go that won't be able to because of the capacity levels. But I think this is one of those special venues where I'm all for like, hey, fill it out and it might hurt of the ticket sales. You might not be able to get enough of, but maybe raise the price and get the difference of the extra tickets that you would have sold with the raising of the prices. And I know that kind of goes against fans. We don't want to raise the prices and stuff like that, but... I just think I the crowd at uh, some of these venues that they're going to, they're, the venues are not able to hold the GCW crowd. But I just hope this is one of those ones where they don't switch like out here in Vegas. They've gone to one place, they've gone to another. And I think they out here they can still go to another place because the crowd was so big at the Silver Nugget. But I just love this whole FET music arena. I, just, I would like to see a lot more shows at this arena as well. Yeah, it was a unique look. I loved seeing people even in the balconies. I don't know why. It always feels extra rambunctious when there's a second row of people in a balcony looking down on wrestling. Because when they go ape shit, it's cool to see all the arms and hands flying from two different levels yep. of the place. It just, I don't know, I'm a sucker for that shit. It just, it looked fantastic. I'm with you. I really do think that this venue, they, they need a larger capacity. And... Um, I'm sure if they end up going back over and over, they may oversaturate and maybe that smaller venue would be fitting. Yeah. I'm not really sure. Um, but it's nice to see that even though they have these huge shows like they had in Vegas, several other places, you know, they don't get too rich to not have a little macaroni and cheese. Everywhere. 
they're yeah. still going down to the smaller venues, giving the people the show, keeping the ticket price as well. And when they go there, they get their money's worth and then some from yeah. what we've been seeing. Yeah, lately. I was just about to say, like, if you're going, if you were one of those fans at the Wisconsin Death Strip, you definitely got uh, probably more than you bargained for when you got that ticket. That will lead us into our first matchup of the evening. And they're kind of starting off hot as the GCW tag team titles are on the line as the champs Los Macisos defend the GCW tag titles against, as the aforementioned, the main event of Jay Lion and Midas Black. And I was looking forward to this match. I was kind of seeing if Los Macisos would kind of keep it not so crazy after everything they've gone through these last couple of weeks prior with all the death matches. I was wondering if they would kind of keep it more in-ring, more non death matchy, more traditional kind of style. And they did. And I loved it. I love seeing the main event. I just, whenever I see the main event waves and curls, I just think they're very synonymous in my mind because they were wrestling against team Bussy um, during their tag team ride, title runs. And I just, I'm very impressed with both the main event and um, waves and curls. So seeing the main event back in GCW, I was super excited and seeing them against those Macisos, obviously even way more excited. And this match was fun. Was it long, but it was fun, enjoyable, and very entertaining. What was your thoughts on this match? Yeah, it was just a little over seven minutes. The music is back. Close <laughs> Macisos has their badass music that's back. The fans love it too. They were pounding the mat with the beat. This is the kind of energy that I was talking about that these fans have. It gives me hope that this was really going to be an exciting night because when the crowd feeds the fans and vice versa, I mean, I'm sorry, the crowd feeds the, feeds the performers and vice versa, it always ends up being a really, really good night. And I'm not going to go any further into it. I had it into my notes here, but I love the whole concept of the main event. I think that it's, yeah, very family friendly, and I think they have a chance to go far if they want to. This match started off hot with the Miedo uh, top uh, of, I think this was over the top rope. This was a, this is a Tope Canjillo onto uh, Jay Leon. No bell, as far as I could hear. This thing just started right out of the gate. Miedo's still taped up. It doesn't seem to really be affecting his work this week as much as it was in previous shows, as it should be healing. So uh, Midas had a fantastic double stunner off the top rope. There was a lot of amazing Red's influence in main events movesets, and it even feels like Red is wrestling at times. Now, I know they even mentioned this on the show, that they were trained by Amazing Red. And if you are a fan of one, you're going to be a fan of his students because, boy, does he keep it real close to heart as to how he trains. A lot of main event chants, ton of them. What were your thoughts a little bit on this, my friend? I, I loved it. I, I agree with you. Like That kind of goes to the kind of the hog wrestling where I, I we see more Charles Mason wrestle that way too. Um, in that promotion, I've seen a lot of the main event, I believe in hog. I could be thinking of the wrong promotion, but I, I think it's hog that, um, that amazing red is helping run it out there and stuff like that. But I, I didn't know that they were trained by amazing red, but it makes complete sense now. And as you're saying that, like uh -huh. I, I could see all that stuff now. And, um, I, 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 I'm just a fan of the main event. I just love their, like their, their charisma, how, like you say, the family friendly they are. It's a completely different look. I, I love the main event. And this started off hot, which was happy to see. I always love, as we said last time, the hot starts. Um, I love seeing Los Macisos. And I'm kind of glad they didn't get all hardcore and deathmatchy in this one because then we get to see them a little bit uh, longer. And the chances of injury happening is uh, 
lot less. So um, I and I love the tag moves that the main event have. They, they, it's creative. It's different. They, it's funny. Like I would expect one person to do the move in this team, but it's the other person that does it, kind of stuff. Uh-huh. But I, I kind of like how they kind of have that wiggle room to go back and forth because it kind of keeps me as a fan on my toes to not know what to expect when they're doing it. But yeah, I'm I'm a giant fan of the main event, and this match was fun. Uh, another spot I wanted to mention was where uh, Jay got on top of the stage and then jumped through the hoop onto yep. Los Macisos. That's another part where, like I said, that's just fantastic. I think if they set that bitch on fire, that would be great. But I have a feeling whatever's attached to the main event would probably, or which would attach to Jay would probably catch fire. I think so I've seen them do that thing. one or two times before. Yeah, I, I could be mistaken. I think I have seen them. And I was like, oh, that was so cool. Like how they added that little <laughs> bit of extreme to that kind of hula hoop. So I was noticing the whole time Jay was very agile. And I was noticing for his size, well, he could really move. So I looked him up also. He was trained in karate, jiu-jitsu, Muay Thai. And there's some lucha influence in there also. So I really do respect his background, finding out that he has such a respectable background. Both are great teams that work differently in their own ways. But both teams, I would not say no to if I saw them on the card. Yeah, I, I agree Like with the moveset that Jay's like does some stuff that we don't expect him to do but i also think the same thing when miedo is doing some of this shit it's like dude that's what something like the the smaller flip you guys should be doing not you but that goes to his lucha kind of style and background and i just love seeing the versatility of los macisos and whatever yeah. match whatever the match calls for they're able to deliver and with them teaming up with main event they had great chemistry as you said the crowd was behind it loved it like i just loved it the crowd's energy brought a lot to this first match and throughout the whole show. And I, this is one match I definitely want to see ran back again. <laughs> yeah. And our winner, Los Macisos, Miedo flips off Miedo or Midas. Midas flips <laughs> off Miedo. Ciclope nails Midas from behind and rolls him up for the pin. Honestly, it was a short banger of a match. They fought inside the ring, outside the ring and on stage. It was a very busy opener, especially for seven minutes. And very energetic, fast-paced, like typical GCW, as you said, the hot open. This was definitely one of them, and I think it was a great call because of how much energy the fans had right before, right as the night started. So I think that was a kind of a good way to keep them, uh, keep their energy up and kind of have it play out over the first match and kind of set the tone for the rest of the night. And I definitely think these tag teams did. And yeah, this was this was fun. I would want to see this again even given a little bit more time to breathe and stuff like that, or maybe even add a waves and curls or add in a fourth tag team and stuff like that to make it even kind of like a scramble tag team match kind of stuff. Cause I think that would be very interesting to see just based off what I saw with these competitors. And yeah, I got nothing to say. This was fun and entertaining match. That will lead us into our second matchup of the evening as Jordan Oliver goes one-on-one with Matt Cardona and I kind of tweeted out when uh, this match was first uh, announced that I wanted to see a couple things happen during this match. And I think I talked about it on the last podcast and I almost got everything what I asked for. I got the Jordan promo. I got a no nonsense Matt Cardona. I wanted like a little 20 minute match. I got about a 12 minute match with none of the shenanigans and all the outside stuff that kind of Cardona sometimes brings into the GCW quote-unquote universe, as he calls it. Um, I loved how this match was kind of 
it gave Jordan promo time. It gave Matt Cardona his promo time. But then when the match came, it was no nonsense in the ring. Very kind of a traditional WWE kind of style match, uh, not a mm-hmm. typical indie style match, so to say, which I wanted to see how Jordan would kind of mesh well with that kind of a veteran in that kind of style match, what I asked for. So I got everything I asked for except the whole storyline bit of this uh, match or where they could have gone storyline wise, which I which I was kind of hoping for, but they didn't kind of uh, cancel out where it doesn't happen in the future. So that was kind of happy that at least that wasn't taken away from me as well. What was your thoughts on this match, John? I'll be generic. I was entertained. (laughs) So um, Cardona comes out. He has a shirt on with the GCW logo, but the GCW logo was crossed out. I'm laughing because the first thing he does when he comes through the doorway is complains there's no fucking curtain. Where the hell's the curtain? <laughs> they can't actually afford a curtain right. over here. Da, da, da. Hilarious. Some guy is in a wheelchair and he is older. He has glasses and a big old bushy white beard. And uh, he starts trying to give Cardona shit. And you hear Cardona say, fuck you, Santa. All the people <laughs> behind Santa start laughing. Yeah, he was definitely Santa. Uh, Cardona gets into the ring. He grabs a mic. He starts cutting into the fans. There was a guy who had a Cardona sign that misspelled Cardona. I think it was C-O-R-D-O-N-A. So I couldn't Cardona. read it. It was a small sign, too. <laughs> yeah, it was It was to get under Cardona's nerves, and, and he fucking misspelled, so it was really funny. He yells out, all hail the deathmatch king, and everybody's kind of cheering. A couple people get on his shit. You suck, bro, is something that you hear. <laughs> um, but he gets on the mic, and he... He has a little more of himself in there instead of just a heel. He yep. actually thanks everybody for uh, being so nice and being so supportive. He wishes everyone happy Thanksgiving. He's thankful that he is the number 13 in PWI's top 500 ranking for uh, best wrestlers. Um, yeah, he was thankful that Brett had booked him against that criminal Nick Gage. Matt said that he put the company on the map and bragged a, a, tr- a lot, a lot about putting the company on the map. Honestly, Matt was putting over GCW and the roster. He talks up Jordan Oliver a lot and he says things. <laughs> yeah, so I forgot about this till I read my notes. He goes, yeah, real up and comer. I hear he's got a great move set. I hear he has a good look to him and I hear he already has a signing with it. And he's a third generational oh, talent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a third generational talent. <laughs> Oh, wait, that's Nick Wayne. Oh, that was, that was great. Fucking classic. That's the way wrestling should be. But yeah, he did talk up Oliver quite a bit. So I, I really thought it was nice that he did that. And um, so then they had to remind him it was Nick Wayne. And he said or it was Jordan Oliver. He said, who the fuck is Jordan Oliver? And every yeah, he was in Cardona was in completely like classic Cardona mode lab that night. Uh, Jordan. I was just going to say, I loved how this promo, as you said, he is quote unquote burying the company of GCW and Brett while in real reality, absolutely putting over how the company has grown. And yes, he is a part of it, but also putting over the talent in the company. As he said, all the boys and girls in the back that work their asses off, like it's his way that that's why I love he he's still doing this kind of traditional WWE promo style because everyone hates it but 
He's also doing it in a positive and raising his opponent's name value in these kind of promos. So I love seeing like it's everyone thinks, oh, he's burying, he's burying, he's burying. But he's in reality, yes, he is burying it, but he's also raising like the whole Jordan Oliver, Nick Wayne, GCW roster. I love these kind of promos that he does. And, you know, it wasn't just Cardona. Jordan then came out and he came out hot, too. He's ready to talk shit. First thing he does, Cardona, you talk too much. Like, yeah, the old homeboy, you never shut up. Any <laughs> Botchamania fans know exactly what was being said there. And, of course, Jordan said he's the best in the world. He was going to whoop Cardona's ass. And he yells out, ring the damn bell. So in the first three seconds of this thing, Jordan hits a rough rider and wraps him up for a two count. Cardona left the ring immediately. Right there, we were hearing all kinds of Jordan chants. Eventually through this match, though, Cardona was really rough on Jordan. He pulled a lot of heel tricks like hair pulling, a couple shots to the dick. Jordan was really selling well, which is half of you know what he needs to learn how to do is offense and defense. And he did it fantastically. This was Cardona's match pace. Jordan worked very well with it. And you're right. This was more of a WWE style pace. And it was nice to see Jordan work so well yep. within it. This gives Jordan extra gas towards the end of the match, which he may need that extra gear for theatrical purposes later on. And um, the fans were heavily behind Jordan. A lot of GCW chance. It was really an enjoyable match to watch, man. Yeah, this had everything that I asked for. I got the Jordan promo time. I, I know it wasn't a great promo, but he never gets it. None of these guys ever really get it. That was my whole problem with Blake Christian. He was getting all the promo time, all the time to shine and work and get better with it, where none of these other wrestlers who work just as hard and are on all these shows as Blake would couldn't get that promo time. So that's why I was asking, like hoping that Jordan would get this to go against back and forth against Cardona just to kind of see where he's at promo-wise and stuff like that. And I think... It was fine, but obviously there was work to be done, and that will just come with practice. But he's just not getting that in a GCW ring. So I kind of hope that's this is something that will uh, lead to him kind of getting more promo time. And throughout this whole night, this became a theme in my mind. We got to see Cole Radrick have a little promo time. Makito yes. had a little promo time. We got to see a yes. lot of different people get promo time, and that's what I've been asking for. And Sorry. I'm, yes, and I got it, and I'm glad, so glad for it. I think that made this more enjoyable for me because you said the storylines, that that's what I've been asking for and kind of wanted to see more of. And these promos, they're not long, which I'm glad. You don't need the 15 opening Raw promo segment that they do. You just need the quick two, three, four, five minutes of make your point, Get in, get out, and then make it furthers the storyline apart in those couple minutes, and it gives those talent that time for practice on the mic and in front of a live crowd. And I think that's what I th I would like to see a lot more of these GCW quote unquote regulars get because they don't really get it as often as Cardona, Blake, Tony Depp, and stuff like that. Yeah, some more of the regulars definitely do need to do a little more speaking time. It adds layers of depth to their character, and it invests the fans much more in who they are. Uh, our winner on this one was Jordan Oliver. He hit a low blow into a clout cutter, and I'm not going to lie. How awkward for Jordan to end with a heel move. I liked it. I'm not going to lie. Isn't that? Oh, I like it too, but isn't that interesting that they have totally baby-faced all the way down to double moves and matching gear, and then he ends up pulling off some heel shit. I wonder if that's foreshadowing. 
I didn't take it that way, but I can absolutely see it that way. Because I said before, too, like it looked like at the end of the Yamato match, he kind of threw a little fit in the corner, kicking the ropes, uh, punching the turnbuckle, kind of showing that he was upset that he lost. I've seen the same thing with the Nick Wayne match. When one of the tag matches they lost, you could kind of see Jordan, Nick Wayne kind of like started walking away and Jordan's still in the corner, kicking the ropes, throw, upset that he him and his team lost. So it could be going somewhere. Uh, this match, I did not take it that way. I kind of took it as, hey, Cardona, you want to do shit? Guess what? I could do the same shit that you're going to need to. And so I didn't think it was like a heel kind of move. I thought it was just a... Uh, tit for tat kind of thing like you hit you low blow me and try to go for the sack rider i'm gonna low blow or sack rider rough rider sorry effie um i can hit the low blow on you and go into my clout cutter like i'm gonna good point take the yeah. do the same tax and I, the fans i think took it that same way too because it wasn't like the fans were like oh the fans were like yeah get him like that's what you need to do you need to answer his dirty tactics with some dirty tactics of your own if that's going to help you get the victory so I did like it, and I was actually shocked. This is, in my opinion, the biggest victory in Jordan's career. I can't think of a bigger name wrestler that Jordan has beat than Matt Cardona. And this is kind of why I like the like the whole PWI stuff. I don't. There's a place and time for it, and I think this is one of these places that it's good. Like you have Jordan. I don't even know where he was ranked. To be honest with you, if he was ranked, I didn't read the full rankings, but. Um, to get a victory over Matt Cardona, former WWE star, Intercontinental Champion, like the biggest name, I think that's his biggest victory of his career. Like he's had a couple this year. He's beaten Bandito, which was a surprise to me. Uh, he's beaten Leo Rush like in years past, which is a more bigger name. Biff Busick was a huge name that he got the victory over this year, which was a surprise as well. So I think out of every match I've seen that with Jordan's career, I think this was the probably the biggest name he's had a victory over, which I was shocked. And very happy to see, and I this is the reason why I wanted to see Jordan against Cardona in a more WWE-style match because, as we were talking about at the beginning, this would be kind of a nice little teaser. He could use this as a video to show these other companies, hey, I'm, I know you think we're all just indie wrestlers, but here's what I could do that would fit into your kind of company. So I loved everything about this match, but the win was really, very surprising in my opinion. Okay, so I'm going to make two points. I'll start with this one. I think Jordan is ready for new music. It's upgrade time. He needs his own. He's loosely, like, here's how it works. He's a singles person coming out to his group's music with whom he hardly ever does anything with. And he's also on a much different level than all the others in his group. You know, it's like The Rock never getting The Rock's music. Yes, but the music is actually has, like, it's for Jordan specifically. Okay. Okay. And they okay. say, I like, didn't know that. Yeah, no. So they say like J O Jordan, Oliver, like I know, I know the lyrics. I listen to fucking all the time. That's <laughs> so bad. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. That music is for Jordan specifically. It just happens okay, so, to be that the wow. name of his group is young, dumb and broken. Maybe they created it together. And like, maybe they did make the whole music, like the song yeah, with yeah. the group in mind, but it is specifically Jordan's name is in it. It does mention Jordan specifically and stuff like that. So I agree though with you. I think if he does go to one of these other companies, I think that's also the, one of the most unique things about Jordan is like the music is meant for him. And, and like, we all know that's yes. his music. Same thing with Jimmy no Lloyd. Kidding. Jimmy Lloyd's yeah. is personalized to Jimmy Lloyd, Jimmy, Jimmy, yes. like, I would like to see them kind of keep it, but the lyrics in that song, you definitely won't be able to keep. So I agree right. with you. I would like to see them get the same artist, kind of same style of song, but change the lyrics 
into a more quote unquote family friendly song when he gets up to the the big companies. I would like that because um, I agree with you. I think it is time for like just a change of style, uh, not change of style, just the lyrics. But I wouldn't do it while he's still working for GCW. I would just change it when it's time for him to go to another company. But I agree with you though. Like I don't. I wish Nick and him would kind of have their own a separate song, kind of like how Bussy and they came out with. At first, I know they crossed the two songs together, which I didn't like. But then I thought they yeah, started yeah. coming out to like their own different song that they only used as a tag team. I can't remember specifically what it was, but I think that's what Team Bussy did at the beginning as well. Yeah, Bussy was kind of all over the place. They would mix in both of their songs. Sometimes they would start with one and then sometimes it had like a hip hop beat with it. They, they did yeah. different things off and on. I think they were trying to find what was just going to be the most successful for them at the time. I'm not really a hundred percent. Um, second one, cause I wanted to hit this for sure. I'm not going to say anything more than I strongly disagree. However, Jordan's ranking for the PWI this year is 334. Now here's the bullshit part in 2021. No, we'll go back 2020. He was 210 in 2021. He was 209 in 2022, 334. Now, anybody that's watched him could not possibly say that he slid a hundred spots. And I know for a fact there are not a hundred and twenty plus wrestlers who have improved past him in one year. So I'd love to know where that ranking system came from because it seems like such a stark contrast. He gets his body together, he looks more fluid, he's on the microphone now. His matches have more snap. He's he's carrying larger matches against larger opponents. He's moving up the card, and they move him down in ranking 120. Actually, I wonder if that. I agree with you. Like it's not like he got worse, but I wonder. And as you said, it's not like 120 competitors got better or improved. As you said, I wonder if it's just we all as a wrestling fan base got exposed to a lot more names than we did in the years previous because of these different streaming companies a lot they're making uh making their content more available to every crowd and every fan of whatever company you are like i just think of myself in general i learned of oof, probably over 120 new wrestling names i never heard of before uh -huh. in my life this year but like I got exposed to a lot more new wrestlers, so I wonder if maybe um, whoever came up with those the the PWI the, when they do that list, I wonder if like just because there was a, I wonder how many new names are on that list compared to last year. That's a one like a stat I would like to kind of know of because I think the only reason, yeah, as you said, the the work that Jordan has done does not. Yeah, did not get. Yeah. He only improved yeah. with every everything we've talked about. He's only shown improvement, so it is kind of weird that he went and dropped that much. But I just wonder how much plays into all the new talent that got a lot more exposure than years past, and gets how that is involved with this decision making. It just it's crazy because it doesn't make sense to me that we're talking about someone getting ready to take possibly a championship title in the rank three three four, when we know they're probably minimum top. 300 top 250 minimum yeah for sure but like i said i i think this was the biggest win of his career and i'm kind of hoping this leads to bigger things for jordan coming up in the near future for our third matchup of the evening we have a four-way match 
as Tony Deppin goes against Dylan McKay, Leon Slater, and a returning Ninja Mac. And I was glad to see Ninja Mac back in GCW, back in the States for a little bit. I was super excited to see Leon Slater being in the same ring as Ninja Mac. And, of course, Tony Deppin and what kind of chaos he was going to create with yelling at the fans and his tactics in the ring. And it was kind of nice seeing Dylan McKay kind of get a little shine in this match as well because he doesn't really wrestle for quote-unquote GCW as often as uh, I would like to. I think he's super talented and I like his high-flying movesets. So this match had a lot of positives for me and I enjoyed it. It was a nice, fun little four-way scramble match. What was your thoughts on this match, John? So one of the first things that happened here that I really personally liked, and I know you love too, was Nick Gage jumping on commentary. I 100% believe that having him on commentary may be his future. He has a great voice for that. And especially for moments like what happened at the end of this match and a couple of moments later on, I, I always said, if you're going to have Nick Gage and he's not going to be wrestling, throw him on commentary. And especially now if he's the GCW world title, every time he's on commentary, stuff could possibly happen or stuff could possibly not happen. And I think we will see this as we get into the ending of this match. I think this is why I suggested that I would like to see Nick Gage on commentary more if he's not going to wrestle for moments like this, especially now that he's a champion. If anyone who's important ever listens, listen, please. Nick Gage on the microphone is money. He really adds a color commentary that is unique <laughs> yeah. and we know he's tough and he is well versed in wrestling enough that he carries really well on the microphone and when you want to see violence it's nice to also hear what violence sounds like and nick gage has the voice of violence when he has to describe what's going on and you know there's a lot of people sitting at home and when somebody grabs a bat they're like yeah and nick gage audibly will be like yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know he'll say what smash his fucking thinking. head in <laughs> smash his fucking head yes he thinks out right. loud he says out loud what we think yeah. and i love that yep and that was the opening the minute i heard gage on i'm like all right this is it really does heighten it and no lie i will say this too because i pined on forever and i held on to it for the longest time and now i'm in the place where i've gained acceptance and this was a week, maybe two weeks ago, but commentary with Prezak MLJ is fantastic. Absolutely a fantastic duo. And when they decide to use their energy and they really keep it up, which they have the last couple, and I think it's not going to stop from here on out because it just sounded so damn good. It wasn't WWE excitable. It was just, we're at a live event. We're happy to be here we're happy to have you here this is going to be an exciting show and we are just as excited as you that's what came across in the way they were talking and that's that's kind of how i felt and it's it, it's almost like it sounds like it's just as important to them as it is to me and i like that yeah i i think they're kind of hitting their stride as you said i think the energy and the excitement that they're bringing is up to where i expect gcw commentary levels to be at and i'm i'm like i just feel bad for mlj his poor voice with doing all the announcements at his energy of in-ring announcing and then going on to commentary i think that's going to be pretty brutal there's going to be some nights and i kind of liked how like nights like tonight they bring in i think the i think they brought in jordan castle for a couple matches mm -hmm. on commentary and stuff like that so i kind of like 
I don't know. I'm kind of on the fence with the rotating commentary. I like it, but I don't like it being done as much in between every single match as kind of what happened this night. But do you need to have that just in case MLJ's voice starts going off during a Nick Gage introduction or something like that where he's not going to be able to talk the rest of the night? So I don't mind it. I just wish the changes didn't happen like every single match. No, I think it's a fantastic point. So our match... We got to get back to this because I have some fantastic notes here. I want to share my first one. I'm going to read it word for word. Leon Slater, Phenom. Fans don't know who he is. They will. And then eventually there were some Leon Slater chants. He has a fantastic height on him. He looks good. Uh, good smile. Good look. Looks like he has a clear head on him. Like someone his age should have, you know, no, no drugs in his system, you know, coming out with the big dark eyes and all that. You know, he has none of that. He has a good smile to him. The kid looks good. It's like an English of Nick Wayne right now when it comes to how they par- parallel in so many ways. Yes. Um, Ninja with a beautiful uh, gray and blue mask that I've never seen before. Welcome back, Ninja. Also the fans, Ninja Mac Chance. Welcome back from them too. Deppin, our asshole, comes out. He questions why Dylan is in the match. <laughs> That's the shit I love when he's got no filter. That's the shit I love about Tony. Oh, no. And he was really extra vocal tonight, so he was extra heel. And that just means, honestly, for somebody like us who kind of knows what's going on, it was extra entertaining. Everybody was on. Everybody was on their shit tonight. Honestly, Ninja at first, I thought he was a little off. I think he was just getting his legs out from you know back under him. But yeah. I'm I'm starting to notice Slater and Deppin has potential. Slater and Ninja, you know, because I think Slater oh could my keep God, pace. Yeah. And then Slater and Wayne, just because they're similar, because I think that needs to go down before someone else does it first. And it's more special when they're younger. And that's what I said when they were in that whole uh, Liverpool tour. I was like, how do you not, after seeing Leon Slater the first night, how do you not book Leon versus uh, Nick the next night? Just because, yeah, you don't know. We didn't know at that time when Leon's going to come back. We don't know when Nick Wayne's going to go over to AW. So I was, I agree with you. We need to see that happen now before someone else gets to it. And I would love to see Leon versus uh, Tony Deppin to kind of see a different stylistic mm. matchup and you know, see what Leon has on the ground and other stuff in a match with Tony Depp. And I think Tony would bring the, the strengths of Leon out in that match as well. Well, again, I mean, these fans are like, well, they kind of didn't know who he was. And it was fun because I knew, I know you knew, um, because we were begging for him to come over episodes ago after we first saw him debut. Um, <laughs> he just, he, he pulled something off that I forgot he does, but I can't believe I forgot it because it was so <laughs> impressive. He pulls off a coast to coast, but here we are again, where he goes one post to all the way across to the other post. This is like coast to coast Atlantic Ocean style. It was. He goes from one corner to the other. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't have another way to put it. It's just one corner to another, and it's all the way across, and he nails that shit. I think he nailed it twice or he attempted a second time and got pushed or maybe he hit it. I'm not sure. Uh, he got he the first time he went for it, it got blocked. And then the second time he uh, yeah connected on it. And then I just wanted to mention, too, because I haven't mentioned much about Dylan. It's fantastic to see Dylan here. Uh, he hit a beautiful Pele kick on Leon into a shooting star, but it got blocked. But McKay looked fantastic. And I didn't want to kind of 
just pass him over. In the last minute, there were like all four men exchanging punches in the ring. It looked like a brawl, and I felt like it was a satisfying ending. It's nice to see these guys you know, do everything that they did. But in the end, they come into the ring as equals. It's four men who were fighting, and they just fight it out. And the fans start to erupt, and they're cheering. And it was just great. Uh, the Slater chants really towards the end of this thing were, were a lot louder and a lot more frequency or a lot more frequent. They finally got him, and it was fun to watch a crowd get get it. It's like when you watch those music videos where someone's doing a reaction. It's so fun when you see someone have an awesome reaction to something you know is great. We yeah. knew Leon was going to show the fuck up, and it was so cool to watch others discover Leon. Yep. I'm the same way. I love seeing other people kind of not jump on the bandwagon, but like, oh, this is, see, like, realize what like we kind of saw earlier. Like, I... From that first moment I saw the coast to coast in Liverpool and the first time I saw the 450 or the Swanton 450, I was I was hooked. And seeing the crowd come alive when they got to see Leon perform those moves was very fun to see because you get to see like, holy shit, look at this guy. He's like incredible. This is the first time we're seeing him live. So I enjoyed seeing the Providence fan kind of fans get behind Leon and give him the cheer and kind of start to fall in love with him as kind of we have on this show. Um, yeah, this was fun. This was a fun, uh, fun little four, four way match. I like how they went on the stage and you see, uh, Adam Galt, the referee kind of make sure everyone's safe on stage. And then, uh, Ninja Mac gets thrown off and Leon kind of, that's where he started his little time to shine was dumping on everybody outside off the stage and jumping from the, the ring to the outside over the corner post and getting the height that in distance that he gets like he's incredible. And I would like to see kind of more of him to see what he does in a one-on-one -on -one match. I, I really want to see what like him and Deppin would be a perfect one-on-one -on -one match. I think in my opinion. Well, okay. So we'll talk about this real quick when it comes to things like cutting promos, first of all, fantastic. Thank you for putting those in there. They both been leave the ring generally not at the same time. So while one man's leaving the ring, the other could be talking. It saves time a little bit that way. But this is what we were asking for, and this is what we were saying would be so beneficial, would be having all of these guys on the microphone telling a story. And this happened. Tony Deppin did it. So we'll, we'll go ahead and through here. I'll give you the winner real quick. Tony Deppin ends up being the winner. He hits the Phoenix Deppin on yeah. Ninja Mac while Mac was in midair. It was absolutely badass. This was a lengthy four-way, 14 minutes, much appreciated. This was longer scramble than average for sure. So quickly on that Phoenix Deppin, for those of you, the, the fans might not know, Ninja Mac went up top to hit a Phoenix Splash onto Dylan McKay. And as he jumped in, Tony Deppin gets up from the ground and runs towards Ninja Mac. And as Ninja Mac is landing the Phoenix Splash onto Dylan McKay, his knees land on Dylan McKay. So he gets the impact on that. But then Tony Deppin hits like the running knees onto Ninja as he's fallen to the ground. So it was a very cool looking and brutal looking knees to the to the face onto a fallen Ninja Mac. But I love the Phoenix Deppin name for it because... Uh, Ninja Mac was trying to hit the Phoenix Splash, but then Tony Deppin with the running knees to kind of intercept it was kind of crazy to see. I just wanted to get that out to the fans so that way they could kind of visualize it because I thought it was it was crazy to see him just come in and knee, knee Ninja on the way down from a Phoenix Splash. And yeah, it's... <laughs> uh, so after Deppin wins this, I was laughing 
but I was also loving the fact that he was given a mic and he was given a mic. He gets on that mic. He says he's a day one dude since 2016. He was tired of the disrespect from Lauderdale and he wants to challenge Nick. He said he was here when Nick was even in rehab and said he was coming for that belt. He's taking the belt and he's sending Nick back to rehab. Boom, storyline. Thank you so much. And that was the first challenge of the night, I believe, for Nick Gage. It became very busy, and I wonder about this. We'll talk about it further, but when two men challenge, I think they already have the date set up for both. What yeah. happens if Nick loses? That's where I kind of, yeah, I kind of run into we a struggle. I run into a struggle yeah. there where it's like, I like the storyline. I very much appreciate we're getting it. But Nick doesn't need three different stories going on at once. We still have no finalization from the Cardona wedding from Nick Gage. So that's still into play. Um, Yeah, Nick Gage with Tony Depp in now. It was announced for the LA and UCC December 16th. But he still has to defend it December 3rd against Cole Radrick. And that's where I think it just kind of gets too convoluted where there's too much for one person. I wouldn't mind seeing Tony Deppin challenge someone else or then challenge. Like, I just think they should not have so many storylines going around just one thing, but it kind of does add a lot of excitement. As we were talking about all these new faces for Nick Gage to defend, we get to see Nick Gage possibly against a Tony Deppin against a Cole Radrick. Um, later on, we hear another name get thrown into the hat, which is very fun and entertaining to think about, but I just think, I think it's too much to kind of keep track on because, as you said, what if something happens and then now you've kind of where where does does Tony go against? Kind of like what happened with Jordan and um, Jordan Oliver and Nick Wayne going against the Mega Bastards. That was announced mm-hmm. as a GCW tag title match, but the night before they lost it. So then that absolutely screws and puts yeah. Jordan and Nick in a horrible situation because now they were supposed to get the next tag title match, but the Mega Masters lost. And then they don't continue on with Jordan and Nick in the next title match as we saw the main event went against Los Macisos instead. So that's where I do not like. I think he's – I think there's just too much going on where they're not – they could go slower with the storyline stuff. It doesn't need to be mm-hmm. booked out that far in advance. Tony could have said, hey, I don't care if it's you or Nick or you or Cole that's a champion. I'm beating someone's ass and taking my belt uh, in L.A. Like he could have said it that way, not just strictly calling Nick out only and say, saying Nick's name. Because then now the same thing, but it's Cole Radrick. Oh, like he's going to lose now. I, I just think there's a lot of missteps taken during this these storylines where I think they need to slow it down and spread it out throughout the roster instead of hyping up all these different matches and having all these different storylines going and it doesn't make any sense. Oh, I just, I found that little loophole in that one and I just wanted to mention it. I just, I looked at it for a minute and I went, wait a minute. Yeah, what happens if Cole loses? And then you're right. It's, I mean, if uh, Nick loses and then you're right, there actually has been a championship loss with a match called the next week. So, Okay, again, just playing with someone else's toys. The way I would book that is I'd have Cole v. Nick. <clears throat> and then when Nick wins, out comes. Exactly. Yes, yeah, spread it, it out. Goes, exactly. Guess what, yep. motherfucker? And then not only will there be a huge pop, 
there'll be an announcement for the next show. And it makes and sense. And then that's, that should sell more tickets because of that excitement. And that should be the last scoop of money before it goes down to game. Gage versus Deppin. Yeah, I agree. Like, I don't like how they announced it because I like just going back to the Mega Bass of Jordan, it screwed Jordan and Nick out of a tag tag match. And now they could they have the right to say, hey, we're supposed to get that tag match. Why is all these other teams getting the matches before us when you already announced this match? Like, I just think it, and it looks so, to me, it looks so mad or so bad. And I get. It just not frustrated. Just doesn't make any booking wise. It just doesn't make any sense why you do that. Like I, I, I just said playing with someone else's money. It, it just doesn't make sense. Like I, Cole's Nick has still coal to go through. Why does I? I don't know. It just, it just too much or too soon. Or I think you can, as you said, spread it out. It, you don't need to announce Nick's next four matches and have four different promos because then we kind of now that kind of ruins the expected ending of these matches and. If that happens, then you have now screwed someone else that's not even involved in this. They get screwed because they didn't get the chance to have that opportunity. And they don't go back and fix it. They don't go, oh, okay, like Jordan Nick, we you were supposed to get the title shot. It's just right now, oh, we forgot about it. It's done. Sorry, it's shit for you. I I I hate it. I, I just hate it, to be honest with you. Like it's just frustrating and it doesn't make any sense. And I hate that kind of style of booking of storylines. I am happy we're getting the storylines, but the way they're doing it, I know this sounds like uh, now I'm picking up crying about getting what I want, but I just it just doesn't make being a wrestling fan as long as I have just doesn't make any sense. It just it creates more chaos and confusion than it does to promote and get people excited. Gotcha. No, you're good. Okay, so um, I don't know what else to say about it that hadn't have been said, really. It's, I don't know. <laughs> I think in this situation, what I would do was I would at some point then have Deppin come out during the Gage-Cole match, possibly interfere, so that he gets Gage. Now, or I have, you know, something like maybe with a weapon, fucking crack him with a weapon and uh, injure him just enough after the match. Like, there are ways to do this to where... They wanted to purposely tell us, Deppin, let's, let's be honest, and let's be fair. They know better than us. A lot of men who are more intelligent at wrestling and at booking did this for a reason. So let's think about that. They told us that Tony Deppin is coming for him on the 16th, I believe, and they already have Cole on the 3rd. Why would they tell us? Because, I mean, foreshadowing, obviously. So we have foreshadowing out of the way. But, I mean, it would still be better a surprise because then it wouldn't spoil the third. But, again, GCW, we've seen people, like you said, lose. So, And then they lose that know. opportunity, and then it just makes sense. Why would you promote that and get people excited for that? Then it gets taken away, and then you don't even acknowledge that that was even supposed to happen. Like, that's my thing. It's just like... You just now, like... I don't know. They don't... Like, just own your mistake of, like, we shouldn't have done that, but... Because... I don't, I don't know. Just... To me as a fan, of just like seeing that happen, like I'm glad Jordan said what he said in that promo to Alex Collins. Like, no, because you guys fucking suck. Now we get punished because now this ain't a title match and we're getting screwed because you guys couldn't hold your end of the bargain. So now that fucks us. And then now they never even acknowledge that Jordan and Nick were supposed to get the next title shot. So it just leaves those two kind of up in limbo. And now fans that went to go see that show to get that are not getting that match. That was a title match that was supposed to happen. And then you kind of just poo-pooed on everything that you said before. So I think it just kind of doesn't feel, I don't know. It doesn't, 
feel right. Especially in this situation with Tony Depp and Nick Gage. They went against each other, oh, 2019, 20 or somewhere. They had this match before a couple years ago. Um, so it's not like Tony Depp can say, I never had my title match. And he just recently had a title match against Moxley. So um, I don't know. I just, I, it's just not making sense. I love the storylines. I love getting it. But I would just like to may now kind of make it make more sense to fans because it just doesn't. It's all convoluted right now. And it just seems like they're just trying to get ticket sales for future shows. But then you're also now canceled out Cole Radrick's title shot in uh, in December, yeah. December third, it just makes it feel like okay. Well, if Tony Depp is going to get the edge, I guess no. There's no, there's no shot. Cole wins now, and then it just, as a fan, me going into that show, like I'm going to not even be excited for that matchup at all now. Like literally, I got no excitement going into. I don't see any chance now. Cole beating Nick, and now if somehow they pull it off and then make me eat my words. I'll come back on here and say, holy shit, I don't know what I'm doing. Like I, I'm just a fan because. It just doesn't make sense to me. Like I, I'm going now with thinking Coles against Nick. I'm not excited. I don't. I don't even really want to go out of my way to watch it. It's just going to be on because I already kind of know what the what the ending is going to be. Hmm. I don't know. That's just how I feel as a fan thinking about this stuff. I hear this. I'm I'm, I'm not <laughs> I'm it. not happy. Right, like not happy with that. I'm happy it. we're getting the storylines. Just not happy with how they're kind of planning it all out. I don't know. Yeah. And, and yeah. And for me, it was just, I appreciate all of it. For me, I'm taking the default that first of all, I don't understand it yet, but I'm taking the default yeah, that I don't that's know the a better... whole story, you know, and I'm also taking it as we don't know. There may be something to this. When you have a heel, he can be menacing. A menacing heel could be even like, it's just, there's probably something more to this. Otherwise it wouldn't make sense. So, but I, uh, I'm just kind of going off the history of oh, like the same situation happened. Like, yeah, there nothing was done with Nick Wayne and Jordan Oliver. Like, I, I not like because of that situation. That's what's kind of ruined my hope going into this situation. So I hope I'm wrong. I hope I get floored. I hope something crazy happens during that match. And I just I hope I have to come back on here and give a thousand apologies and admit that i'm wrong but i i i don't know i'm not happy with the way that this whole segment kind of happened but that's okay though because there's been plenty of times we've asked their things yes complain exactly and then when things happen we go hey thank you and we're congratulatory and whatnot because yeah sometimes there are sore spots for each of us on things that we're like <laughs> oh, we really give a shit about those spots yeah so, um Last couple things. It was really funny to hear Deppin to tell people to go back to, or to tell uh, Leon to go back to the UK where your food sucks. And the last one was that sh that was followed up by a chant that was "Please come back." So we were right. Leon really uh, was taken well in America, and they want him back, and and so do we. I, I believe I can speak for you. Yes, we do want him back. I want to see Leon be one of these full time. I would like to see Leon versus Alec Price too. I think that would be an incredible oh matchup. Yeah. Our fourth matchup of the evening is a six person tag match as the team of Cole Radrick, Dark Sheik, and Sawyer Wreck go against the SGC, this version of Effie, Mance Warner, and Matthew Justice. And I was just waiting for chaos during this match. I. No, the expectations I had is this is <laughs> this is going to be fun and chaotic and in typical SGC form. I got exactly what I thought during this match. What was your opinion on this match? I thought it was cool uh, having Effie with the throwback look. 
He had the old hair. He had the old jacket. I enjoyed it. It was, um, he was also dialed back personality wise and it was more focused on wrestling, which I enjoyed because like I said, again, when he decides to turn it on every now and then I like to see just a good FE wrestling match. It was nice to also see Sheik back. There were dark fucking Sheik chants. Sawyer Wreck fans were covering all bases constantly, constantly getting chants. It seemed like all night it was all three uh, people on that team were getting love, and the fans were not quiet, like I was saying earlier. There was so much action. Thank you so much for the split screen. Yes. There were spots where sometimes we were getting two different angles of the same thing, and I'm going to tell you, I love it. Yep. I, I love it. I loved it too. Oh my God. If we could see someone run and do a splash from two different angles, it looks so cool on screen. I can't discount that. I mean, I mean, what I meant to say is a long time ago, I watched an old ECW reunion show. It was one of the more kind of underground and it came out on DVD. And at one of the parts, it was shot with two different cameras. I believe don't quote, but it was like more of a theatrical camera and one was more of a regular camera and it was shot from two different angles and each presentation on each camera looked a little different. So when you'd see a, sh a chair shot, you would see it simultaneously from two different cameras, two different angles, two different presentations, and it looks so damn good every time. So I'm a big fan of stuff like that with the double shots because it is so much fun. And if you have a bigger TV, you don't really lose too much when it yeah. comes to, you know, because the cameramen do a good job of keeping the shot fairly tight to where if it is a split screen, you don't lose too much. Yeah, I, I like the the whole split screen too. Because I was thinking too, I'm like, oh, you can see the same thing, but you get a different vantage point, which makes it interesting in my opinion. Because like you said, you get to see kind of maybe two different reactions of the same move that's happening at the same time. So I did like, I've always liked when they introduced the SGC split screen. I always thought that was a fantastic idea. I don't have anything negative to say about that ever other than when they don't use it. <laughs> No, I, I get that. So something I was going to mention before we jump heavy into this, there was a guy in a toady shirt. Now, I don't know if you know who that is, Brant, because you're just a couple years younger than me, but not my much. There is a band out there that was in the 90s called the Toadies. That, that name right there, Toadies. Like, like a toad, like a frog. Okay. They had one hit. They had one hit. And if you go and listen to it, you'll probably know it. And the name of the song was Possum kingdom oh yeah yeah i know that song see yeah and so i saw somebody have a shirt from a band that i just first of all i didn't even know they still made or had a shirt like that and it's so rare it was just really cool and it was obviously <laughs> like my age so uh yeah anyway big ups to him I that was kind of <laughs> cool to see someone in the audience that has not given up on the toadies just yet uh chairs and doors were out around minute three there was chaos everywhere. I like that baby ladder. It was like maybe oh. two feet tall at most. Mance goes up and hits a huge elbow from on top of the ladder. Fans are chanting, please don't die. That was uh, my favorite he, spot. That that was awesome. That, that was the one yeah. spot. That was the one note I took on this match other than like it was chaotic. And, and yeah. I loved the, the Manson Warner just with having so much fun with that little two foot ladder and kind of like he was going to do the Terry Funk with it. But yes, it only goes yeah. like six inches off of his head when, after he puts his head in the <laughs> middle and then him slowly climbing up. And like that, that, like that was the whole Carlito spot that I loved when I like Carlito's on the 
bottom rope and climb or climbed up to the top and they're like oh no this is too high let me go down to the second up oh, this is still too high let me go down to the last the first step oh okay no this is too high let me just put my feet back on the ground like i love mance having fun and enjoying himself with the ladder spot that was the most entertaining spot of the match for me was that ma- that spot and there was a huge spot a little bit after that where sawyer hits an avalanche choke slam on effie and that thing was just devastating looking from just Gah. the whole mat like bounced you know uh justice hit sawyer with a death valley driver through a barbed wire door onto the floor effie was fighting a real match which like i said i just i had it in my notes twice but yeah it was really good to see and um it was 10 and a half minute match so this was a standard six man slash scramble pime and they filled it up nicely i, I was like Interested in the teaming of Cole Radrick, Dark Sheik, and Sawyer Wreck. When I first saw this, I'm like, I didn't, once again, kind of going back, like, I just jumped to the conclusion. Here's, you know, I'm talking myself out of all that rant I just made. <laughs> I, I realize I'm wrong. I was going into this match, seeing this team and seeing SGC. I'm like, why are they going to, because SGC usually wins these kind of matches. Why are you going to have Cole Radrick? taking a loss heading into his matchup with Nick Gage. Like it, that didn't make sense. And like the team of Cole Radrick, Dark Sheik Sawyer, I'm sorry, going against SGC. I just assumed that was going to be a loss. But uh here's where I get to eat my words as Cole Radrick does pick up the victory as he did a quick little surprise roll up on Effie. And I was like, I grabbed my head. I'm like, what just happened? Wait, wait, who just won? They actually lost like SGC, we never see lose these kind of matches, and no, was, never. Yeah, that's why now I'm very scared. I'm gonna have to come in wearing a clown mask and a clown wig uh, after December third no, for the no. next podcast. We're gonna be, I'm gonna be wearing a clown suit just because. Nope. I don't know. I just, I have, I shocked on the win, and I'm, I'm pleasantly shocked that Cole Radrick did keep the momentum for the title match. Going into uh, going into December third in Illinois against Nick Age, and I'm more shocked that SGC lost one of these trio matches. I I don't know. I just I assumed a loss coming for Cole, Dark Sheik, and Sawyer Wreck going into SGC territory in a triple or in a uh, six person tag match with kind of the SGC rules going on. I'm shocked that they lost. <laughs> so there were plenty of the ratty daddy chance after this match was over. And Cole said today he's now competed for eight years in pro wrestling since he started training. I didn't know he's been eight years, too. That's kind of crazy. Yeah, so after that, he'd cut a small promo, and it kind of hit me. I was going to say, this was probably your... your, This promo was probably perfect for you. And and that's kind of one of the things that got me with Cole. I kind of knew he was a small-town person well ahead of time. But... Again, this adds layers. This adds layers to the character. But not only that, it's truthful. So that's kind of helpful. It's really nice for him to go out there and tell people why he does what he does. So he said, look, I'm from a small town where people do the same shit over and over every day. That's the truth. I've been there and done that. Uh, He's one of three people to have ever left his hometown and do something. He says, I know. I said, I know he means it. I said, I lived it too. He said he's not special. It's because of his love of wrestling. He's thankful for GCW. He's went all over the world because of GCW. Yeah, I, I get a lot of that. Honestly, I mean, real life. I uh, I was raised in Ohio in a very small town. You really expect to do one of maybe 
couple jobs. You're a welder, a truck driver, you're going to the military, um, or you work at a, a factory somewhere. And that pretty much sums it up unless you want to work at a bank or some type of a business somewhere. And back there, they don't really pay a lot. And so coming out here was a huge thing because cost of living out there is so much lower. So you have to kind of save money and do all that. But yeah, man, I saw a palm tree for the first time when I got out here and I'm like, holy shit, I'm in the tropics. I'm in the rich people's area because you only see that shit on TV. Like I was really, I was really concerned about going to California because I'm kind of a, I'm, I'm outgoing, but I'm not always outgoing. And I'm like, I don't know, man, I'm just a farm kid. Like, should I even be in California? Cause all you know is what you see on TV and all you see on TV is really good looking people and, and money and all this shit. And I'm like, I'm a kid who's got like a couple shirts and shit. And I'm like, I don't know if I fit out there. So I went from a town of less than 2,000 people to come out here to Las Vegas, which have a couple million. And, um, yeah, a lot of the people in my town are still there, you know. And every now and then I find out, you know, such and such is now a manager at Target, you know, or something like that where that's just all there is to their life. And, you know, taking chances are difficult but it's totally worth it if you do even get some marked success because then you get to enjoy something out of your hard work. So I really did like what Cole said because it, it, it just added something to him I think we needed. It may even help him to have a direction once a storyline comes further his way. We don't know how that next show is going to pan out between him and Nick Gage. Speaking of Nick Gage, Nick Gage grabbed that fucking mic and said, Cole Radrick, I don't give a fuck what you said and the crowd was <laughs> laughing and cheering it was so funny dude i i love that cold got that promo that was awesome i got that time um i that's what we've been asking for that's what i've been loving and i absolutely loved it she said nick gage's reactions like okay cole just wanted like a three minute like legit real heartfelt kind of speech for him and then nick gage just hopped, i don't give a fuck what you said and the crowd just pops like this kind of like totally just killed with three minutes that uh Cole Radrick just had, but as you said, I took it. I, I agree with you. I I took it the same way as you did. I I. It's kind of hard to now root against him. And as you said, if he does lose, he still can use that as a future storyline and future reasons of what he's doing, what what's going on with him, and to kind of exp have a lot of explanation of a future story storyline that could possibly happen with Cole if he does not win or something does happen with him and Tony Deppin and maybe Tony Deppin can say the same exact thing but not only is he wrestling for GCW he's also now runs his own brewery and shit so Cole you got a lot of shit to stop whining about and start stepping up your game kind of stuff so I love the promo I love it it's just shitting on three minutes of a heartfelt promo and the crowd reacting to it um and I will kind of, I think, step on your toes here. And I loved exactly what happened right afterwards. And I'll let you explain it, but I loved seeing what happened right afterwards. All right. So Nick Gage is a fighting champion. This match was supposed to happen before COVID. I wanted to mention that. So this is a nice little arc that thankfully no one forgot. This is a frayed end that finally has been knotted up. And now we have something. You know, that's going to be really solid, hopefully, on this. And to add one more thing to it, I'm sorry, because I, I know I don't see it in your notes. One little detail about this whole rivalry is quite a few years ago before, not quite a few years, but right before COVID, they kind of had a little matchup 
uh, like a kind of a scramble match or multi-person tag match, I think it was, where Cole and Nick kind of got into a little interaction and Nick did swing a punch and knock Cole Radrick out. And uh, <laughs> that was kind of the thing on Cole. It's like, oh, like that's, that was kind of Nick Gage's say, way of saying like, hey, like you're still young. Watch what the fuck you're saying. Watch what you're doing. Listen to us. We're the leaders here. That kind of put Cole in his little spot. So I think that I kind of hope they play into that a little bit going into their match because I, I think that to me that was a big part that I don't think a lot of a lot of newer fans would not know that they when they got into it Nick Gage threw a legit punch and kind of knocked didn't knock him out cold but he did uh rattle his feathers quite a bit and kind of put Cole out for I think even Cole could have wrestled for a couple weeks because of that so I think that just adds to the drama of this match Okay, so speaking of drama, when it comes to how Radrick's character is set up, it's fantastic. If he loses, he gains sympathy. Sympathy is his strength. Mm -hmm. And if he wins, he gains glory, which is a payoff for the fans. So it's really a fantastic setup when it comes to how his character is. Because his character really does demand a certain amount of sympathy. He's the underdog. So... I really like how that's how that's booked out there. I would like to see him and Gage go up to where Nick kind of looks down to him like a kid still. Like he hasn't seen he hasn't seen Cole's work in the last two, three years. That's how I'd like like I want him to treat Cole like he hasn't seen Cole since COVID started. And I want him to not take Cole seriously. I want him to be like, yeah, kid, we're going to go out there and have a good match. And I want Cole to like yell some shit into a mic and say some things and Cole and, you know, and Gage goes, you know what? That's it, kid. You know what? That's good. That's the way, you know, like almost coaches him and Raddy's like, what the fuck? I don't think he takes me serious. And it just kind of builds and builds. And I think that's what would make a fun story. There would be the underdog going, wait a minute now. I'm not just a kid like you remember from two years ago, bitch. I've grown. I will knock you yep. the fuck out. That's exactly what I kind of hope happens too. And that's how I would book that, I think. But be, basically, both men have grown, and there's a much better potential for a good match now than there was. Oh, yeah, for sure. And same thing. I would have been a little more concerned about this had I not seen Gage with Leo Rush. So I know right now I don't have to worry about capabilities, feed. All that'll be there in Nick's um, pace. So Makiito pops out and interrupts Nick Gage. Literally interrupts Nick Gage. Love it. Talking. I really didn't expect that, dude. She comes out, grabs the microphone from him, and yells, where's my fucking gang at? And the crowd, of course, erupted. It was really good. And, of course, Nick grabs the mic and goes, no, no, no. Yes. This is how it's yep. done. Where's my fucking gang? The whole place. See, it was really fun. This was a push for Maki. This was Gage out there pushing Maki Ito. That tells me, I think, because they're taking the time to do this, we may see more Maki Ito. I have a feeling. I Yeah, they did announce her today. I don't know if you saw. Um, no. At the New Year's show. So she will be back again for New Year's this year. <laughs> And one announcement that just uh, while you were going over the Cole promo, that's what I kind of did a shock face for. We, I, uh, no, oh, I I I'm not going. No. <laughs> uh, Alec Price is going to be coming to the UCC Center this uh, December 16th. So I'm like, fuck, that, that's just another reason oh. I need to get a ticket. Uh, you know, 
I'd like to see how his East Coast attitude comes out across the fans on the West Coast because I'm going to tell you I've lived on both. He's going to come across extremely rude out here, and it's going to be really awesome. He will piss off some people out here. I'm hoping. I I, I think he's I think he's going to be because like when Cole came out here, they he didn't get as big as a reaction as he would in the East Coast. I'm kind of wondering. I, th- I think at the beginning, Alec Price, they're going to have to warm up to him. So I don't think he's going to get that big of a pop. I think he will get major heat. But I think by oh, the end of the yeah. night, yeah. just like Titus Alexander, they're going to be cheering for him and clapping for him and rooting for him, just like how they do Titus. So they come out, everyone hates Titus, and boom. Oh, maybe we even get Titus versus Alec Price. I would like to see West Coast up and comer going against Ooh, East Coast up and comer. Yeah, it just popped in my mind. Like that should be the match they book uh, for that sh- for that show. I love Makito. Well, okay. As you said, this like they'll push stuff real, just real fast. I loved her just like enjoying herself and where's my MDK gang? Like it was just funny seeing her doing it. But it's cool seeing her trying to use the English language and like doing the fun stuff that will get her over and seeing her actually use those tools to her advantage. I I much enjoy seeing her kind of having fun out there. Okay, so this just popped in my head, and that's why it came out my fucking mouth, because I'm not very good at thinking and talking together very well. Um, Booking-wise, I think it would be really fun to maybe go out to Oklahoma, of all places, Texas, or somewhere in the center of the country, and maybe book a JCW versus an LA Fights. I honestly think they both have enough talent to do so it's been a while since anything of that sort has really went down collective and yeah and i think it needs to go down again real soon because it's just they're get there's so much talent there now that that they've developed so much since the last time and say i wonder kind of we we haven't got as many la fights shows as we kind of started off i wonder what's kind of going on with that seems like la fights has kind of been put on the back burner these last oof I can't even tell you when the last uh, L.A. Fights show was, but it seems like they haven't really done anything with L.A. Fights for a while. Yeah, and they did. I I can agree. Well, the JCW shows don't get too great of a turnout either. So um, I kind of like keeping that a once a year thing with JCW Mm -hmm. versus L.A. Fights. I think that would be kind of a good collective show to expect. Once a year. To expect yearly, yeah. I I would like to see that. No oversaturation. Yep. Nice. Just, uh, you know, I mean, because there's some monsters on both sides, on both coasts, and I think it would be fantastic to see them meet up in some fashion or another. I would like to see some form of a faction fight or some type of a fight between the two. I'd like to see some dirty play. I'd like to see some West Coasters come over the month or two beforehand and fuck around in the shows. That's what happened, yeah. That, that was fun. That's- that was what happened with B-Boy and... Um- uh, Grim Reefer. That's what they were kind of doing with uh, yep. leading them to the collective. I loved it. I'm um, looking up now. LA Fights has not had a show since July 16th. So, yeah, it just makes me wonder kind of like why they're not kind of doing more LA Fight shows. I kind of wish they would not do monthly shows, but maybe even bi-monthly to kind of keep it. I think this long, it's kind of like I kind of forgot when their whole last show was until I just looked it up just now because I was like, yeah, it's been a while since yeah. we've seen an LA Fight show. So hopefully LA Fights will kind of Get picking up and get the gears turning again here soon. I have there another. might be a complete retool going on that we don't know about too. That too, yeah. I was super excited when they first announced the LA fights stuff. Well, they were they were handling JCW so well, and there was just so many up and comers at the time on the West Coast. Yeah, I mean, well, that's the thing. You have so many people out here. I'm like, how in the fuck could we not take GCW's eyeball, put it on the West Coast, 
and they comprise a, a whole fucking show full of some of the best they could find on the West Coast. And how could we not look forward to having something to be proud of out here and what our people do? Just like Las Vegas, man. I see a Las Vegas guy pop off on WWE or AEW. I'm like, fuck yes. Show people this is where it's at too. And see, that's what they were doing at first with these when they announced LA fights. Like whenever that GCW came to LA, they would have LA fights either earlier in the day at the UCC Center or the night before somewhere else. So I yeah. would kind of wish they would get back to that because there's a lot of uh, talent out here on the West Coast that deserves bigger or more opportunities to showcase how talented they are. Uh, with Maki Ito being out there and getting her MDK uh, chant and the crowd behind her, she gets uh, her opponent comes out too, and they have they start their match as Masha Slamovich goes against Maki Ito for our fifth matchup of the evening. I thought this was a well paced, pretty good fight, pretty good match. I I think both these competitors can play well off each other, and they very much did, in my opinion, with this match. And I kind of like seeing Masha Slamovich showing a little bit more character um, growth than in other matches past. I think Maki Ido kind of helped get that out of her, especially with like the charisma kind of side and not just the badass beating everyone's ass kind of stuff. So my notes are going to be kind of slim on this one because... This wasn't a high spot match. This wasn't a top of the rope match. This wasn't an inside outside match. This was not a uh, death match. There was no weapons in this match. This was not that kind. A lot of holds, arm drags, both women booked as similar strength. It was a back and forth fight. Masha was definitely the heel in this one. Uh, Maki did her crying spot. And then, uh, you know, she did her hard head spot that she likes to do. They're fantastic. We were getting Maki chants throughout the whole match. 12 minutes is actually a little longer than I suspected, but Masha's known for putting on a longer match or at least an average match. And this was almost 12 minutes. This is a good average here. Um, that's what I have in the notes because, like I said, a lot of holds and arm drags. Maki was doing her little gimmick. And like I said, it's like a, an Orange Cassidy. Every now and then it is really nice to see because once you've seen it, you've seen it. And... Um, that's it. Yeah. No, I, I <laughs> so like this. Like you said, it was nothing crazy, like nothing move wise that we need to talk about. But I think it was just a solid technical, but storytelling match, not technical. It's a Masha it, match. It was a, like, it felt like a typical, like traditional WWE impact, AEW, like a, like felt like one of those matches where we didn't need all the gimmicks, the fuckery, the comedy and everything. It was just a nice solid. Yeah. Let's just go in there for 12 minutes. Do a good show. And as you said, like I liked Masha being the heel there and kind of playing into being a little bit more of a powerhouse. Um, and I liked kind of Maki being the sympathetic kind of foreigner that's uh is very good in the ring as well, but needs the crowd to kind of get behind her and help push her over the edge with Masha. So I liked this match, it was fun, entertaining. And the only thing I disliked is the ending as Masha Slamovich picks up the win with a pile driver. And I am kind of like the crowd. Uh, I just, I, it says the crowd booze Maki. I was the same way. I felt the same way as the crowd. I thought, I think she needs to win a little bit more often out here. She's kind of lost quite a few times when she's been out here. Yeah, I don't know what's up with that. I don't mind it, though. It's another case where, you know, unless she's fighting for a championship, whether she wins yeah. or loses, I don't mind. As long as she's in the ring doing her thing. I just, just hope and, that doesn't drive her away from coming back. That's what, like, keep coming yeah. back out for losses. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know exactly. Like, 
that's the only thing I get scared of. Was like, hey, if you take too many losses, why would they keep coming back out here? But it might not matter to her because it might be a good payday. Yeah. She might love the crowd and enjoyment, not care about that stuff, which I'm glad like wrestlers don't care about it. I just always kind of yeah. worried about because oh, yeah. we see wrestlers do care about wins and losses a little bit too much where it affects kind of a lot of things. So I'm kind of hoping Maki is not one of those wrestlers that get offended when she loses or takes it personally. Yeah. Kevin Nash said that the only two things that are real are the money and the miles. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's really all it comes down to. Once Masha pulled off the win in this with her pile driver, the crowd was immediately booing because Maki lost. She is an obvious fan favorite. She's going to stay that way. I don't know what it's going to take to pull her into the heel category where someone doesn't like her or where the crowd kind of pulls against her. She just, she has a good look as if you look on Twitter at some of the wrestling fans out there and what they like, that's <laughs> right up there. Uh, and she's real. Right. So it's like, well, you know, yeah, no drawings, no cartoons. Um, <laughs> but I really like that both girls give each other the finger at the end of this. That's the, I love you. And, um, yeah, only 12 minutes, but it was it was enough. They made their point, and Maki got in all her spots, and Masha carried it into what I would say is the average Masha match. It was mostly wrestling. It carried for a certain amount of time, and yeah, with a pile driver. So, you know, it wasn't anything too crazy. It's just uh, she pulls off the win. She's, she's always chugging along, Masha. That's the only thing I can really say about her and about her matches is she's always just chugging along. You know that if you put her in the ring, you're going to get your wrestling match. Yeah. And I, I, like I said, I have nothing bad to say about this, but I enjoyed it. It doesn't need to be all high-flying, flippy, spotty, comedy, everything. It just it hit everything that I find enjoyable in a match, and I definitely wouldn't mind seeing these two run it back uh, at some point as well. All right, man. Here we go. Here we go. You know what this gives me? Uh, it reminds me of the movie Seven. You remember the movie Seven with uh, with um, 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 Brad Pitt? His name Brad Pitt. I never saw it, but I kind of know. Really? Yeah, I never saw that movie back. I, I don't even know fully the whole no premise of it, but I kind of understand a little bit of the premise. Okay. Um, rough, rough, because of course we have time. Um, this movie is about two guys who are investigators. They work for the police, and they're trying to catch a criminal who kills people based upon their sin. So, you know, there will be somebody who was uh, very overweight and he was killed and he was sloth. And you have another one who was killed a certain way and that yeah. was envy and so on and so forth. So this killer was just nasty. And I forget what he ended up saying was the reason, but basically the killer killed one of the detectives, girlfriends and the baby and put it in a box and told him to go out and look into this box, but didn't tell him that was what was in there was, I don't know if it was the baby or the lady's head or what. And it's like fucked up. There's a weird ending to the movie. And um, that was kind of what they were doing in this movie was, I mean, in this match was they were telling a story that was very similar to that. That's what that, that shock was. That's what the box was for. And, I wonder if that's what the paper yeah. was for heading into this match because we never found out what was really on that paper either. Nope. Nope, we never did. There's, There's got to be something there. Our sixth matchup that we are talking about is the grudge match of this asshole, Charles Mason <laughs> and Alley Catch. And I don't have much to say about this. I, so, 
It's either Ali selling or just Charles Mason in general when he does these things. It just, to me, gets a little too, I don't know, too pushing the line of not realism, but how stiff he really is with these women and how he really does kind of treat them in the ring. I do get turned off on it. I get how it has its place. It tells a great story. I, I do get invested in it. But then when the match comes and everything happens, it just kind of, it gets too much for me where I get put off by it a little bit, but I understand that's exactly what is supposed to happen. That is Correct. the emotion Correct. that Charles Mason is supposed to be getting once and he's getting it from me. Yes, he is. And yeah, yeah, it's, it, Wrestling really, it gets too real. much. It gets too much to me when it's like uh-huh. with the alley catch and Charlie Evans and all these, like it just uh-huh. gets a little bit too much where I'm like, uh, right I don't know fields. how much I want to see it. Yeah. Uh huh. That's good. That's what it's there for. That's why you watch it, right? I'm dead serious. That's exactly why you watch it it's for stuff like that. Yeah. See, that's what I like about heels. Sometimes is it it does piss you off, and pissing you off is exactly sometimes what you want. Yeah. Because it's a lot better than not giving a shit. And there was a dead period of wrestling not that long ago for years that was just to me personally, it's like hard to care. You know. Yeah. No, no lie. There was a point in wrestling. I'll tell you where I was watching years of WWE, and the only thing that was keeping me watching it was hope. Hope <laughs> that the next, you know, hope that Stone Cold was going to come out on this wrestling. Hope that The Rock was going to show up over here. I really hope there's an invasion from this small, you know, company. Or I really hope NXT comes in and kicks the shit out of these stars and all these things that really never ever came across. Right. <laughs> was just me hoping. And, uh, and damn, they missed some real good opportunities in booking, not hiring. <laughs> and anyway, yeah, no, I never, I never applied, but that would, that would have been a fun one. Yeah. This match here, a lot of fuck em up alley chance because everybody was behind alley. Alley pulled a knife right from the beginning. And Charles is like, uh, really, you're going to freaking stab me with this thing. Like, and eventually he kind of grabs the knife. And, and grabs her hand and kind of gets the knife out of her hand, which it kind of gets thrown across the ring a little crazy, especially with that crowd right there. Yeah. Um, Mason pulls Allie by her hair on the venue floor. I thought that was a brutal thing, but I will tell everybody just just in case they they definitely make sure they agree what they do beforehand. So, yeah, it is rough. And I think they expect that from him. Um it reminds me of like Athena's character, except for Mason has more talent when it comes to treating these wrestlers with a little more care. Um, okay, so here we go. <laughs> Allie reminds me of Mickey Knuckles. And, and maybe it was the pink hair in this one. I mean, but she reminds me of Mickey Knuckles, just 10, 15, maybe whatever, younger. I don't know why. I don't know how. But I think that's I something it. that if Allie ever wanted to, Allie could go total hardcore and be Mickey Knuckles. It's possible. Definitely see that for sure. I wanted to also mention that Mason had a great rolling DVD. And yeah, go ahead. Because I know you you hate him, but you know what? He That move looks does look really good. The problem is it's a face move. And that's not even that. It did look awesome. It was looking cool. But it, even just then, the way he lifts her up, and st- I, I don't know. It just... Like I said, it just gets too. Sometimes Mason gets like too sadistic, and I don't know if it's the girl selling or what, but it does just oh, seem yeah. like she way was crying. Too, I've it, never seen Allie cry that that much. You know? it, yeah, she, she was. She crocodile teared it. Yeah, it just 
gets a little bit too much for me, but I do I can't deny that was a cool looking spot. The way he just like kind of literally just flips her up and drops her down like that in one smooth motion. It was this yeah, is like the yeah. that's the Charles Mason I said. I that's like Charles Mason I see in the hog wrestling and other promotions that I love seeing that kind of stuff and not just let me just rip your face apart, let me stab you, let me literally find every little way to torture you and make you suffer i kind of like seeing the wrestling version of charles mason but this character is awesome and he's hitting every spot because he's making me feel the way i feel that's what i'm saying and and i say the same thing though i love a heel that spoils storylines just not mine yeah that's that's kind of how it is you know (laughs) so it's real to me sometimes too damn it uh most of this match was ali getting beat up not gonna lie that was a lot of this 13 minute match was her just getting the shit kicked out of her a lot of crying um we did have a lot of fuck him up alley fuck him up kill him chance and i thought that was kind of cool they were putting a little creativity chance over there which again nice fucking crowd uh do you have anything to say on this one before i announce the winner or do you want me to just announce the winner not you can go ahead like i said it was it was it was brutal ali cash shows why she's one of the tough is the toughest woman on their roster um charles mason shows why he's probably the most hated person on his the roster as well because of this right it told a great story i I enjoyed everything just there's not much to review because it just kind of seemed like let's just find different ways to torture Allie and make uh-huh. her suffer through stuff. So there's not really much to say other than exactly what you said. You hit all the big spots. So I it was a for the storyline, a great match. It just I it just I get invested into it until it starts happening. And then once I see it happen, it's like, ooh, why was I really cheering for this or wanting to see this? Because <laughs> I'm not enjoying what I'm watching right now. So, But that's the emotion he's trying to get, and that's why he's very good at it. And I'm not going to complain about it. I'm just... It, no, that's honest. It, yeah, that's it's, good. it's exactly You're what should be happening. About it. Absolutely. And then our winner, Charles Mason, he spit liquid in Allie's eyes, which kind of blinded her. He hit her with a pile driver and choked her out for the win. It was it was dastardly. <laughs> it was very heel, and I loved it. So Mason goes out of the ring, comes back in with handcuffs, and he handcuffs Allie to the rope. And he starts saying things like, um, well, well, let me go through this. Effie comes out to help, and then Effie gets choked out by Mason. And people are going, Daddy likes it. And I realized Daddy really didn't like it. (laughs) Yeah, He was passed out. It wasn't good. So as Effie is passed out, Mason says no one cares about Allison. He says he wanted Effie the whole time. No one wants her and no one will. People in management don't care. He thinks she's the only one that loves her. And it's her. uh, the only one that loves her is herself. He will destroy the one person that makes her matter. Okay. I love Charles Mason. And this is really interesting because we are talking about, there are some fan opinions out there that are coming out into this storyline. So it's really interesting to Mm -hmm. see this because no lie. There are some people saying, um, what about her? She's always hanging around Effie or, you know, and, and, and this will go back softly to what I was saying, where I said, she needs to break out and be her own person. And she needs to either sink or swim. And I think that would really solidify her in GCW even more if she can do that. GCW does invest in having women off and on come in there to wrestle Allie. So I would love to see more come in. And yeah, I really want her to move into more of a singles role because there are a lot of people noticing she's the hanger on. 
and something has to be done about that because she seems awfully cocky to be hanging on. And so instead of hitchballing it, she needs to be your own truck and start driving down her own road. And I think that's what was addressed here. So I'm hoping this leads to a storyline of her solidifying her character and showing people that she does have her own road that she's driving down. And um, yeah, sink or swim, baby, because I, yeah, people, there are people noticing. It's like, okay, what does she, like I watched matches from a year, year and a half ago, and she's just coming out with him. And I'm like, why, why? Yeah. And I think a lot of people, I mean, are starting to question why. Uh, not, not you. No. Not yeah. you. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I will tell you I am of that place where I'm saying, okay, the party girl. Cool. She's getting older, though. It's time to start solidifying herself as a real wrestler and be taken seriously because she's coasting on things that aren't really hers. And some of the things she's trying to coast on aren't necessarily working. Again, uh, Lauderdale is bringing in great talent for her to wrestle. I want to see her come up to that talent level. So these are things that I have that are expectations. I want to see her do better because right now she's overshadowed and it shows and something has to be done about this. So I hope this Mason storyline does something. I don't know what, I don't know how, but I'm not going to lie. People are like, okay, she's there. Great. And, and that's it. See, like I said, I don't, I don't <laughs> yeah. have anything else. The only importance is that she's the only female kind of on the roster for the longest time that was full time, so to speak, because not a lot of other women sometimes could come through because they were always busy on other booking. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, she was there because she dressed up like a cat and that was cute. And yeah. So people are going, all right, let's, let's do something about this. Let's, piss or get off the fucking pot because i mean if we're not seeing proper roles if we're not seeing proper dives if we're seeing a lot of botches then we need to do something about it and when she's with pussy it's absolutely fantastic she needs to take that same attitude and apply it towards her personal matches and if it doesn't happen that's fine maybe she can do the whole bussy thing but again effie is so capable of flying on his own I love the both of them, but I love Allie enough to know she's capable of way more. She's been coasting on some things. There's a lot of people that wonder what she's around for or why, because all they see her is coming out being the party girl. And after a while, it gets old. At some point, there's going to be an 18 or 19 or 20-year-old party girl, and she's going to be forgotten about if she doesn't find her way somewhere else. I say this about people who are kid wrestlers. Like, uh, well, pick one. What's his, uh, oh, who just fought Juicy just recently? It's the top of my head. Uh, Starboy. Starboy Charlie. What happens when Starboy is no longer a boy? Where's the, what's the character? Where, where, where is that person? You know, I see this a lot. I see a lot of guys that their attraction is, is that they're young and they're well above their level. But then they grow into their level and never grow any larger. Or they don't improve. Or they improve some, but their character stinks because they were coasting on being the Gerber baby. But the Gerber baby grew the fuck up eight years ago, you know? And it's time to move on from the Gerber baby. So, I mean, I look at things like that, too. I need to we need to see something else because a lot of people are like, Ugh. not a Well, I won't say a lot. I'll say I do see a lot of people who because it's not cool, they can't say anything out loud. So, you know, because there's some problem with with, you know, telling an, an independent wrestler something that they don't want to hear. And see, this is my heel side. I, guess, I told you the, is, the moon came yeah, out. No. I guess. <laughs> no, yeah. no, 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 yeah. no. But but I'm looking at this realistically. She needs to solidify herself or move on. And I don't know how or what way. 
because I don't know what her forte is. I'm not kidding you. She's not a high flyer. She's what? See? Yeah. That's the hard part. Define it. Brawler. See, you, you can't. Right. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> like brawler. Not, that, that's it. But like that's sort of their biggest, I think, strength is the brawling style matches. I don't think when it gets high, when it gets fast paced, I don't think she could. Yeah. She not every single time, but it becomes harder to keep up. Um, the death match, she kind of works that pretty good. But then there are some spots you can see that she's tentative to take, like during the Art of War games, uh, when they yeah. were trying to get, they did that Russian leg sweep. They were, she was like, no, no, no. And they're like, nope, we're going. And they went. So um, she's tough. Yes. Yeah. I'm just saying there needs to be more than that. Yeah. I, I, I don't, I don't, man. I just, I'm not completely positive on her and I don't, I just, yeah, I'm trying to see where to go. It's just, I'm, I'm trying to find her good points, like really find the good points, you know, party fun. Who cares? I mean, after a while, who really cares? You got to go out there and really bust your ass. And that's what people need to see. And I've saw some bust, like she's busted her ass on quite a few matches. I would be stupid to not be paying attention to her last six months of work, but the singles work has been him hot at best. And a lot of them have been kind of messy at times. And that's just not fun. It's not fun to watch either. And yeah. what's, what's going on is basically she has lead in her feet. That's what a lot of people would say because she's not really off the ground more than a little bit. And that's not exciting either. So there's no jumps, you know, some rolling. There's some rolling, punches, kicks, not really a lot of holds too often. Someone 18, 19, 20 <laughs> is going to come along. The next session moth is going to come along. We have Billy Starks and, uh, out there. Yeah, well, I, I really hope. She seems like a really nice girl. I never hope she goes the party route and all that. Oh, yeah, yeah, sorry. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like, yeah, but I mean, here comes the next cute one, man. And it's just out the door with the next one. That's how it is. So I see these things and I go, you know what? She's good. She's capable of much more. She's being overshadowed. Other people are seeing it. And I would like to see more out of her before she's completely overshadowed. Because being the party girl that hangs on to Effie, kind of, it's kind of a shitty storyline. We have a lot of girls who want to be the party girl next to Effie at every show. That isn't special. Yeah, I, I left I you know. hanging right there, man. I'm so sorry. No, I just went on my full tangent. But yeah, I think that cornet, uh, that cornet paperwork was burning <laughs> somewhere in the house. I got the incense Ooh. going. <laughs> oh gosh. The one thing I really did like about this whole storyline arc is though, like we got the video vignettes online. We got this. We got the oh why. Gosh. We got why the why that he that? kept on attacking her. So I like how they did answer a lot of questions on the storyline with their exactly. So I, well, I might not like how the match actually plays out and kind of the stiffness and all that stuff. I it explains the story. It has its reason. I'm all for it. I'm good. It makes me squeamish, but that's just me. Everyone else loves it. And I get why they love it. I, I enjoy the reason for it too. I just don't like seeing it. But I loved how they explained why he went after Allie's to get to Effie. And why does he want to get to Effie? Is to for the reason um i forgot the reason what he said but i, I don't even think he got the full reason because Effie came out but i'm going to assume with the with these video vignettes we'll probably get more video vignettes to explain why he is choosing to go after effie and stuff like yeah. that and i that's the stuff we've been asking for storylines promos and video vignettes explaining why and we got all of it during this match and during this match the story was told that made complete sense and grabbed the audience's attention and emotions and there's not much else they could 
we could ask as a whole wrestling storyline of matches other than what we kind of saw with this. So I kind of liked everything that was involved throughout this buildup match and aftermatch. So I enjoyed yeah. it. And you're right. He, he can be rough. And I did see that. And it came across in the match probably five, six times. Oh yeah. Especially. Yeah. I'm like, I'm happy they agreed to that. Cause that looks a little rough. And I'm, I'm, you know, I'm watching her hit her in the chest and I'm like, most people wouldn't be completely okay with him just leaving his hand there too much or too often too. But of course they talk about all these little touchy things in case there's ever an issue and they respect each other and they are performers performing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just, uh, I was so happy that Charles Mason or the company publicly addressed that people kind of see that she's just, yeah. Uh, worth, worth, um, she's worth addressing now is what I would say. Uh, yeah. Piss or get off the pot at this point. It's, it's time to do something and, and do it quick. Yep. That will lead us into our seventh matchup of the evening as Alec price, the price city. OG seems to be making his triumphant return to the <laughs> Fet music arena in Providence, Rhode Island, Rhode Island. Sorry. Yes. Goes against Nick fucking Wayne. And that was, this was a matchup that I was looking forward to. I think a lot of people were looking forward to, uh, mm -hmm. had, there's not much negative to say going into this match other than this is going to be one of those quote unquote bangers. And I loved every piece of this, uh, match. I, before you, you go on your part, I just want to say, I loved, uh, I don't know. I'm not even going to take it because I know that's what you're kind of big thing. I'll let you go ahead. Go ahead. All right. Listen to you. Okay. I'll take over on this one, my friend. Okay. So no lie up front. I'm going to tell you, I'm a huge fucking Alec price fan. I'll just say that up front because I see in him a lot of things that I'd seen in other future stars before they became stars. Again, for people who are brand new, I've been watching wrestling since about 84, 85. So I've had a chance to see quite a few wrestlers grow over the years. And Alec Price is one of the ones that personally I want to just say, I really do feel that he will be in the big leagues where he falls is a great question. It's going to be a matter of how much he grows and how much he wants to uh, grasp onto what's out there for him, because I don't see a place for him that he can't go just yet. And I see this and he's not done growing, you know, personally, he's not done growing physically. He's not done learning the game. He never will be, but he's damn good for where he's at, which gives him a great start for where he needs to be when he's at his peak at 35. So the Alec Price chants were so heavy. As a fan, I absolutely loved it. He came out and said this was his home. People got so hyped over him. And again, he's still young, has a ton of growth still to do. This was, this was a beautiful amount of support for Alec. I really like this. I strongly believe every wrestler, whether they are so-so all the way to the hometown hero, deserves to come home and be treated like a superstar. I don't care if it's pretty Peter Avalon. I don't care <laughs> if it's, you know, Santana Jackson. When that person gets to their hometown, they should be absolutely supported like they are the heavyweight champion and have been undisputed for seven to eight years. You know, I mean, just really yeah. given the love 
So this was a nice glimpse into Alec Price's future. I see a great Alec Price face that I never saw before because I'd never seen such support for him. It was a great job by the fans. I want to say that again. I smile when I say it. The fans are fantastic. And here's what I wanted to say. I think you maybe wanted me to mention. This is uh, where I stopped for you. Fuck yeah, dude. Streamers. Alec was completely showered in streamers. Thank you, fans. I always wanted streamers to be at these shows. The performers really appreciate it. It's just thank you. And I've never seen that many streamers in a GCW ring. If, th- if there is, yeah, I can't recall. Yeah. Like, I don't recall anything other than what we saw, like, with Alec. Um, that This is kind of going what I was saying at the beginning of the show when we're talking about going to the quote-unquote big leagues and AEW, WWE, and televised companies and stuff like that. And this is where I think Alec Price, we could... We get to see how he gets to go as a face this tonight and and kind of Nick Wayne as a heel. We see the tides turn and because this is Alec Price's home, home, uh, pretty much his home. I don't know if that's his home city. I forgot what they mentioned, but this is. Look at the crowd. Like I, the crowd reacting to him was nuts, and I, like I just felt so happy that he got to have that kind of moment because obviously he gets booed and shitted on at every other show that he goes to. It's very nice seeing him getting the love from these fans because they love him and he performs there quite often. So it was very cool seeing it, and I loved that one streamer that got caught in the fan that just kept on spinning, and like Emma and Alex are trying to grab it and bring it down, but then they're like. No, that looks kind of cool. Just leave it up. Who cares? Like, what? Wait, 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 wait. What was that? A streamer got caught in one of the fans, like right above the left, like left side of the ring, and so oh, no the shit. fans just spinning, and you see the just one streamer just going in, like in a big spiral. Looks like How it was like hanging from like that? a club and stuff, and you see them trying to grab it, and then like they're like, no, it looks kind of cool. Then Alex, Alex, like no, <laughs> and he jumps up on the ropes and grabs it and takes it down. So I thought they would have been cool if they would have kind of left that up there, but wow, yeah, it's so cool seeing Alex get this get the love from the fans and it's kind of cool seeing Nick Wayne not getting as much like this might be the one match that Nick is not as beloved as his opponent. So it's kind of nice seeing how Nick would adapt to being not the complete baby face of this match, but yeah, being kind of like a, not a tweener, but you know what I'm saying? Oh no, no, I get it. Um, there were a lot of dueling chants in this one. Fans are really in love with both. It's hard to boo Nick Wayne. And obviously, Alec Price was going to get cheered. It didn't matter what he did. If he pulled heel tactics that night, which he did here and there, he got cheered for it. And I love it. I really did like the fact that there was a great change of the face-heel dynamic back and forth for a while that kind of played in this match. And there was plenty of back and forth action physically also. Wayne was really taking most of the damage. Alec was in control for quite a bit of this up until around minute 11 because Wayne was getting really stretched hard. And then after that, Wayne primarily took over somehow though, Alec really still pulled off this win. And I think that was going to happen anyway, because we were in his home territory, but yeah, Alec price picked up the win. He had a flipping DDT into the surprise kick. Beautiful. I love those. Yeah. That setup is so awesome. Like it's crazy watching how the height he gets on the surprise kick, but that flipping DDT is something I will never get over seeing because it looks so incredible. All right. So what did you think about this one? 14 and a half minutes. I'm so happy they gave these two time. Yep. 
that's my big thing. I'm glad they got the time. It wasn't one of those rush, like kind of like Nick Wayne versus Gresham in LA. That yeah. kind of match was yeah. rushed, but they both were injured. I am very much, very happy to see these two young stars get the time to show just what the future of wrestling is going to look like. And anyone that like, I don't know, wrestling to me is like uh, the best it's ever been just because of the talent that's out there right now. All the places you could see all these wrestlers, all the different promotions, everyone's working together. I love seeing all that. And just seeing these two up and comers, like when they face off against each other at it on, let's say a bigger stage or whatnot, like it's going to be cool. As you said, Hey, I remember when they fought and GCW, it was fucking incredible. Like you should have been there kind of moments and stuff like that. So yeah, this was one of those, I think Alec price is having a coming out moment. I think it seems like every show, like uh, this is Mercer show. This is Cole's show. This is Tony's Mm -hmm. show. This one feels like these, this is kind of Alec price's coming out party. And, I'm very glad to see him kind of get it. I like to see him still keep that heel uh, mentality when the match is done. Very much remind me of like a Tony Deppin uh, heel tactics kind of stuff. But this match hit. It was so fucking good. I loved how it wasn't as high flying as I kind of expected. It was more ground game, counter game, technical. I enjoyed it. I loved the I loved the fast pace that was going to happen. There's no way you could stop these two from going fast paced. But no. Yeah, I not much to say other than I would say this would might be one of the matches. If it, if it was wasn't the main event, if the main event was not on this card, this would have been the, my favorite matchup of the evening because it was it was just awesome seeing two great young talents be so smooth and so incredibly talented in the ring at such a young age. It's fun watching. And I like how uh, Alec Price was called the Northeast Beast. It's just a fantastic nickname. Really yeah, that's like one it. I never heard him called. That's a, I like yeah. that one. I think it was uh, Jordan that called him that. Jordan Castle was on the mic at the time. I think. Don't quote me there. But. I uh, oh no, never mind. It was I miss. I'm thinking of a wrong spot. Ignore me. No, <laughs> I was going to talk I'm about gonna... a cool spot that happened, but I forgot it. It got countered and it didn't happen, which I thought it would. Would have looked cool if it would have yeah. kept on going. You need you need a good drink. That don't get you like back at a good level where you can sit here relax uh yeah the way i've been tripping tonight too i could use a drink um what do we got here six-way scramble a yeah we have a six-way scramble as shane mercer one called manders chris hamrick dustin waller jimmy lloyd and marcus mathers i did not know what to expect from this match um, uh-huh. just because of the talents in the ring. Like, I don't understand how Chris Hamrick would fit into the scramble. I did not understand it. Um, but plus the talent is just so different. You literally got six oh, different talents everywhere. and six different kind of styles and everything. I okay. Let's see what this crock pot turns out in about 15, 20 minutes and see what happens because this looks like it could be really good or it could look like it could be really bad. I don't know. I don't see, <laughs> I don't see too much bad from any of these competitors, but when you mix them all together, I was just wondering how this, this scramble looked crazy to me. I didn't know what to expect. Uh, this was a pretty fun and entertaining scramble, uh, even though it did get derailed at the beginning. And I think at some points during the middle of the match, you could kind of see a little confusion on what to do with, uh, with Chris when he was in the ring and stuff like that. But I, I really liked how they all did step up. They all continued to kind of tell a story and not try to let it d- 
defeat them because, like I said, there was a quite an eclectic talent group of talent in this match, and I was really yeah. wanted to see how they all would gel, and they all got their shit in. They all did pretty cool-looking spots. I kind of liked how Manders and uh, Shane Mercer teamed up a little bit for parts in this match since they're the bigger of the competitors, but... Um, I I enjoyed it, but but the one big spot I really liked was Dustin Waller trying to uh, do a little like backflip spot off that post. Like I totally forgot about that one random post just sitting like near the ring where the right by the ring where the it's like a uh, sit hold up big uh, pole, the, yeah, the roof kind of thing. Yeah, structure. it's a big big pole right in the middle of everything, right behind the the ring. And I totally forgot seeing it earlier in the night, but seeing Dustin Waller use it to kind of do try to do a backflip. And Jimmy Lloyd catching him and turning it into a tombstone DDT on the apron was very cool. And I think that's kind of the shit that we really like. I like seeing Dustin Waller do because I think he's super talented. And um, I know that we didn't get a full uh, see fully what he could do last time he was in the ring um, because of the concussion and because of the bump and stuff like that. I am glad to see him back in the ring and seems no worse than the no worse than what he did before. So it seems like he's fully recovered from it. I just hope he can continue on and nothing else comes from it. But this this was a fun match. They all got their own little shit in. Um I think once again though, Manders stepped up incredibly and showed a lot of leadership while I think match wise Mercer stepped up and showed kind of like what I've been kind of bragging about. Not bragging, but like singing his praises for being so innovative and with the strength and agility, I just, this is one other one of those matches. I think he showed exactly what I've been saying about him and why I really enjoy seeing him in the ring. Okay. Dustin Waller back. It is so nice to see. Yeah. That, that kid, I'm sure he was so happy to be able to come back and um, do what he does best because yeah, the poor kid, he was knocked out, knocked out. It was on accident. It was a nice little head bump. And you could even see on Twitter, he was just so let down by the fact that he had that nice spot on the GCW show, and then it just went unplanned. There, uh, there was a spot, though, with Mathers. He hit this tope onto Jimmy Lloyd into a DDT on the floor. I know he does that quite a bit. He makes it look so damn good. Uh, Waller had a great dive over the corner post onto the floor. And I think everybody understands that corner post, like the four posts on the wrestling ring, he jumped over that and cleared it onto the floor. Uh, Mercer caught Mathers and Gorilla Plus Press slammed him out of the ring and onto the floor at one point. Uh, this was just, I couldn't keep up with everything that was going on. <laughs> no lie. Six-man scramble. There was so much. I was so thrown off by just all the craziness that happened before that I... I was just thrown off. Mercer was out there killing it, though. Um, yeah, Waller was just putting in some good spots. I'm sure he's happier th- with this match than he was his initial match. From oh, for time. sure. And like I said, I like happy stories. So it was really like I was cheering for him to do well just because I wanted to see him do that. There's just so much work these guys put in. And it's happy to see some of that pay off for them. Yeah, th- I, I, this was in. From what it could have turned out to be, I think it got the trains back on the track and it turned out to be a pretty entertaining uh, scramble as Shane Mercer does pick up the victory with the Moonsong battery onto Marcus Mathers. But like I said, I think a lot of good came out from this. I like seeing the leadership from Manders. I would like to see maybe him kind of get a little bit 
more matches, like more spotlight matches just because of him stepping up and kind of keeping everything on board and doing a lot to kind of save the company from what might have could have kept on happening if Chris would have kept on talking and stuff. So I enjoyed this. I would like to see them run it back again, maybe without Chris, but the same five and see what those five could do without any distractions and give them a little bit more time to show off what could have happened if they weren't all distracted about something that happened previously. Yeah, this one was a weird mishmash. I don't know what else to say about it. It was just so weird. Um, it was appropriate to have before the main event. I don't know what else to <laughs> right? say. It was just odd, oddball, <laughs> odd duck. Yeah, but- I think it's better to just say let's run it back because it, it just needs to be ran back. I don't think these guys all had a very fair handshake. The crowd was off. The wrestlers were off. Uh, I could tell in the review. It's just it doesn't have the I don't want to say story. It's just uh, it just doesn't have the meat and potatoes that every wrestling match, every scramble should have. Yeah, I just I don't have those highlights. Everything was just so weird in this match. And for the main event of GCW's Aura rematch of Speedball Mike Bailey and the Octopus Jonathan Gresham. I said I wanted an immediate rematch of these two. I got it. I got it at this great venue. And I got 22 minutes of great and intense action. And yeah, this was main event for a reason. This deserves to be. It was a super fun match. I loved how it was different from the match prior as well. Um, uh, what was I going to say? Was- I was going to say, go ahead. No, it's okay. Uh, you were. I think you were going to mention intensity. There's a tension to this match. And... It's rare and it feels good when you have that big match feel there. You could tell there was just, you were waiting for an incredible match to go down and, and you saw that here. Uh, lives, like live, these are the ones I like to sit back in my chair and actually be quiet because it's like they're bringing out the caviar of wrestling. Yeah. Finally, we're getting the main course, we're getting the good shit. I'm going to sit back and just enjoy this. I really do like doing that. This was kind of like a striker with technical versus a grappler with technical so, so it was a really interesting mix-up the way these two went this was a technical match i'm not gonna lie there aren't a lot of notes here this match needs to be seen i could have just put that as one mo- note <laughs> honestly this match needs to be seen technical match holds arm drags chain wrestling strikes ground base in ring that's pretty much what i could say about this halfway through and i'm noticing there's just great wrestling but there's no high spot I'm noticing that this whole time they're having a real wrestling match. These two were just telling the story of struggle. That's primarily what I noticed here. And please, if you have the chance, go watch it. My little review that I just gave you there and the one he gives you will a hundred percent not come close to the amount of talent that uh, just what went down in that ring was fantastic. And I'd rather leave it more like that than just try to expand with words like it was great, it was good. Because honestly, it was fucking great. It was fucking good. <laughs> uh, yeah, they did a great goddamn job. That's what I can really say about it. This was just, um, I'm waiting for number three now. Yes. And that's it. That might be the one. If they announce it, that's at uh, at the LA show on December 16th. That might be the one that makes me absolutely have to go because I already want to go as it is, but... <laughs> With everything Christmas. going around Christmas, Holidays. yes, I don't want to be selfish and go. Disease but is a funky right now. Vikingo is a more than enough reason for me to get tickets, but 
I if they announce the the yeah the trilogy uh the final match of the trilogy is in LA I will definitely have to be going to it. Um, I liked how this match just even started off completely different as like last match it was like oh we got uh Gresham outside actually like interacting and talking with the fans trying to get them to clap and being all funny and. Yeah, the match started off differently last time. It was more comedy, where this one, you just saw the intensity in uh, Speedball's eyes, and I like it because he lost. So he came, he got the rematch. He's like, no, I ain't going to be playing around this game. I'm not going to let you dictate it. This is my this is my moment to kind of get my victory back from you. And I love the intensity that these two brought throughout this entire match because that's what made this match different for me was the intensity level. Um but as you said, incredible. It was fucking good, fucking great. The one spot that I love, and this is the shit I love from Gresham, because he doesn't he does a lot of these things throughout his matches and in different ways. And it's just these little details that make it more entertaining. So he slid, they were on the outside, and I think Speedball just hit his uh triangle moonsault uh from the inside out to um Gresham on the outside, and then as Speedball rolls Gresham into the ring. Gresham has his hands on the mat, the apron. And so when Speedball rolls him in, Gresham's still holding on to the apron. Half the apron gets dragged into the ring. So as they get in, like Speedball looks up at it and Jonathan like points to the apron, like, hey, get the apron, ref. And the ref turns around and goes and starts messing with the apron. And then Jonathan uh, Gresham uses that moment to um i'm trying to see what did exactly he do i think it was like a low blow oh no yeah he hit the low blow onto speedball for the distraction so i loved that little bit of detail of bringing the apron into the ring to distract the ref to so that way there's a reason why he didn't look and it doesn't make the referee doesn't make the referee look stupid either like i hate some of these spots that make the referee look stupid oh look over there and the referee's like oh what's over there elvis like kind of stuff like this one made complete like it made complete sense. Like, oh, let me fix this apron so no one gets hurt. Turns around, low blow, boom. That's the shit that I love that Gresham does. And, um, I, yeah, incredible match. Great part two. Um, Speedball does pick get the get the victory this time as he hits the Flamingo Driver onto Gresham. And as you said, I hope there is a trilogy. And I yeah. really hope it is in L.A. or sometime soon because I could see these two wrestle all the time and i could have a best of seven series with them too so maybe it'll get turned into a best of seven series that would be pretty fun to watch and so muscle manipulation and joint manipulation are two things i was watching gresham just take hold of was just fantastic the ref tricks do need to be upgraded i did after i saw that that uh the thing go and then the trip the trip from the ref to me it's just it reminded me yeah it's time to see some new things and that was one that isn't seen often, so it's considered fresh in my mind. Um, so yeah, our our review, at least my review for sure, is yeah. No, I'll speak for you too. Honestly, this match needs to be seen. It's not a review kind of match. I can't give you what went down. What went down was pure poetry, and words can't really explain the dance that they were given in the ring out there. Yeah, I agree. Like, I definitely, once again, we always talk about the, like, we're getting, we haven't mentioned our fight TV, so we got to keep our ad money coming in here. So, uh, once again, <laughs> if you want one match to go out and get Fight TV Plus for four ninety nine for an entire month of wrestling and MMA and everything else that's on there, please check out this match from GCW or the main event, Mike Bailey, Jonathan Gresham. And then, hey, if you still are interested and you want to watch match one, <laughs> 
please go check out Jonathan Gresham versus uh, Speedball Mike Bailey when they had GCW Moment of Clarity. So you want to check out Speedball versus Jonathan Gresham, check those two matches out on Fight TV pl- or Fight Plus on Fight TV for $4.99 a month. And I'm still waiting you for that residual so check. Yes. I know. I'm, I'm telling you, either, I'm that, either that or you're getting it, and I don't know about it. you're all like, uh, hey, yeah. how you doing? Then Once like, you start seeing me wear some Fight TV yeah. gear, then you'll know something's up. <laughs> well, I was going to tell you, once people, you know, we're going to go to video here fairly soon. So there's a good chance that uh, these titties over yeah. here are going to be for sale. <laughs> so... No, I'm not going to wear anything low-cut. I'm married. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, the price is right, though, right? The price is always there. (laughs) No, this was a fantastic match and a fantastic way to end this event because I, yes, these are two super talented. This is one of the dream matches where I I kind of decided that's going to push me over the edge if I go to the UCC or not um, to see. I want to really want to go for Vikingo, but I also understand families involved i want to make sure they have a great christmas since they let me travel the world or travel the united states this year and go see gcw in new york and that was my first time in new york city i got to go st louis for the first time check out their backyard show so i have to make sure the family gets taken care of on christmas too well hell yeah they support you and all you do too exactly it's fantastic i i could give up the debut of vikingo in person i could enjoy watching that one at home and still pop like i would be if i was there to see it but i still might be there if uh the trilogy ends on december 16th you want to head into our memorable moments as we let these gcw fans out of here (laughs) Your poor microphone. You're fighting, my man. Yeah, that's that's a struggle. (laughs) Yeah, life is a struggle. All right, bud. Here we go. So my memorable moments. Jordan Oliver absolutely kicking ass. Unexpected. Cardona putting GCW over on the mic. Leon Slater's debut in Providence. Very few knew him and grew to know him very quick. I thought it was great. It was like, like a proud papa watching his baby go out there and be discovered for the first time. Cole Radrick being a real motherfucker on the mic touched it like being on the mic like that touched me because obviously, like I said, I come from a small town. Um, just if you told me at seven years old, I'd be living in Las Vegas, you would, uh, I, it doesn't even, it's sometimes it doesn't still register. Right. I have to really think about where I'm at and how fortunate I am. Um, Maki Ito's return, I thought was absolutely fantastic. And I hope we get to see her more than just that upcoming here. Charles Mason's storyline challenging the validity of Allie. I think this is, again, GCW possibly challenging some real-life stuff where they're trying to figure out where she really does land. I hope this turns into Allie not only finding herself, but the fans seeing what she's grown to be. I want to. I think growth, actually growth may be the word that I'm talking about when it comes to her. I want to see growth over these last couple months, if not year or two. Alec Price at home being treated like a god was absolutely fantastic. And it's really nice as a fan of a wrestler to see that wrestler who's generally a heel being treated as, as a face just for one night. Just I want to see what a championship reign looks like out of him. He was treated like a champ for one night. Um, I'd be so proud of those fans to say those are my hometown fans, honestly. The Bailey Gresham must see, please, again, see. Do not just listen to what we say. You have to really see it. And lastly, because these sometimes come first, the fans, you guys were absolutely awesome. Our brothers and sisters in wrestling in Providence really did a great job that night. So 
thank you so much because your enthusiasm did come across. It was obviously talked about many times on our podcast. Uh, I hope more fan bases get the point of how exciting everything was at that show and how much I'm sure the fans did help push those wrestlers to their limits. Yeah, I have a lot. Of, a lot of our memorable moments are very similar, so it'll be just be yeah, rewarded yeah. on my end. Um, started off, love being back in the FET. I'm probably even announcing wrong. I think it is FET. I hope it is FET. But the FET uh, yeah, music the arena at Aurora and for GCW Aurora in Providence. I love the venue and the crowd, as you said, was fantastic and awesome. That was amazing scene uh glad to see los Recisos once again and against main events hopefully we can see more main events in the gcw ring um jordan oliver getting the promo time getting a nice non like cardona like match we actually had no gimmicks no fuckery just a pretty straight on 12 minute match and jordan oliver picking up uh, what i think is the biggest uh victory of his career against matt cardona uh, the four-way, seeing Le- Leon Slater back in the GCW ring. Same thing with Ninja Mac. Love seeing those two just absolutely kill it. Leon absolutely needs to stay with us for longer periods of time. And Tony Deppin get on the mic. I love seeing it. Don't understand why they're making another match after the Cole Radrick, but I talked about that enough. Um, surprisingly, seeing the team of Cole Radrick, Dark Sheik, and Sawyer Rex getting the victory over Second Gear Crew, that was a stunner to me and was once again nice seeing more mic time for other wrestlers and Cole Radrick stepping up and telling kind of his story and which makes sense and getting this uh getting the sympathy card or not sympathy card but just telling us his story of why this match means a lot to him and why just wrestling for GCW means a lot to him so that was awesome seeing um seeing Maki Ito in the same ring as uh Nick Gage and doing the Nick Gage all fucking day that's awesome yes. or the MDK all fucking day that was amazing seeing uh love seeing the Charles Mason the answer to the why of the storyline of why he's going after Alley Catch and seeing now how it's progressed to Effie and hopefully we get some more video vignettes because we've been loving to see those as well uh Alec Price getting the streamers that was fantastic awesome mm-hmm. great match too loved that match um like to see Alec Price getting kind of getting his flowers from the hometown crowd uh six-way scramble not much to say other than it was nice to see some leadership happen from Manders. I Manders went up a lot in my in my eyes just based off that one move and I earned a lot lot more respect for him and I I look at him in a different kind of view than I, what I was before so that was kind of nice seeing him stepping up to the plate for GCW and for everyone else there in the crowd and once again seeing the the Part two of Speedball versus Gresham. Give me part 100 and I will still eat it all up because mm-hmm. it was those two are fantastic. And I, I always say this, but I love how GCW lets Gresham be Gresham, treats him with the proper respect, treats him with the talent that I think he is and how he thinks he needs to be treated. And I think that's why he loves coming back for GCW and because we treat them, we treat him right. So I'm glad to see him in uh, GCW against Speedball, especially. And I would like to see more of it. And yeah, that is all the memorable moments I have. Yeehaw! Yeehaw! We, we have survived GCW's aura. <laughs> um, I think the next time that GCW will be on Fight TV Plus will be December third. 
Wasted Time at uh, from Saugit, Illinois. That will be Cole Radrick versus Nick Gage for the GCW World Title. Um, very much looking forward to that. So we will have a week or two off. We might even, we'll see, try to, like I said, we might sprinkle in that GCW show that happened. Uh, once Since we got all this time in between, we might mm-hmm. try to do a quick little review on that show because I found that pretty fun. The GC, was it Survival? The, well, I forgot the name survival of Survival of the Fittest, right? I it's think something it like GCW. that, yeah. Um, that was a fun, entertaining show. Throwback to the old... Uh, uh, what's it called? Uh, survival series style matchups and stuff like that. So, um, series of survivals. There we go. So maybe we do have plans to try to to try to look into something. The only thing that will stop it, you guys will have to blame me. The only thing that will stop us probably from doing something extra will be blaming me. No, we got life. But that's <laughs> one thing I said, just in case. Like yeah, we might I just have do a quick. Coming up. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Well, we'll see yeah. what happens. We'll see what life turns out for us. This, I will never have a semester <laughs> this busy again. I'm so happy I learned that uh, this is the way to go, or this is the way to not go. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you all again, Ooh. everyone out there listening. We do appreciate it. We see the numbers constantly growing. It seems like there's new uh, trends and stuff that we are setting. So um, very much appreciate all the, everyone that's out there listening and for the feedback on Twitter and stuff. We do appreciate it. And like always, we will send you uh-huh. out. Uh-huh. And you will. Perfect style. We're going to get it right. Perfect harmony. Perfect harmony for GCW's Aurora. Uh-huh. GCW. Long, Long live. Did your mic turn off? G. No. <laughs> GCW. Peace, bitches. <laughs>